Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. We're here to talk about two movies. Two movies. Today. Double feature. I'm very excited. It's we're not a science fiction double feature. Though. Or is it? I don't know. A little bit, actually. No, we're going to call that science. That's not science. <laughs> so we're first talking about The Devil's Advocate, which came out in 1997, right? Mm-hmm. And Constantine from 2005. Yeah. Before we do any of that, what is new with you, Katie? Oh, crap. I wasn't prepared. You wanted to go first. I know, we just decided this. Yeah, um, what's new with me? Well, um, first of all, uh, I have to mention that this is uh, a family recording tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, all are present and accounted for. Uh, Tom is here with me, my lovely husband, Tom, that you will remember from the Silence of the Lambs episode. Yep, yep. Um, and then uh, illustrious engineer and fiancé, to Meredith, Oops. Victor. Hello, dude! Stop slamming your I'm Stanley. Just throwing my stuff. Stanley in anger. I have to get some water. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So Victor and Tom are joining us here tonight, which yep. is very fun. Um, we watched a movie earlier, and then we went and had dinner and some drinks, and we're having some more drinks now. And so this should be interesting. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? <laughs> it's going to be a wild podcast. ride. We will still be here in three hours. Um, you might be gone. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, I mean, what's new for um, me, and I mean you as well, I'm kind of stealing yours, but Thanksgiving vacation. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Mine started a little bit later than yours. Mine started today. Oh, yuck. Yeah, we had to go to school on Monday and then a half day Tuesday. So today is my first day of Thanksgiving break. Forget that noise. Um, Forget about it. But uh, it's very exciting. We have a lot of stuff we decided we should accomplish this. We should do this over Thanksgiving vacation. And this morning we were trying to plot out when it was actually all going to happen. And we're like, we may have overextended ourselves a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. Time, how time works. I thought you were about to get real deep there. How how you plan things and doesn't work out quite mesh as well as you hoped. Yeah, but though, well, I'm sure we'll get a good portion of it done and some family dinners and whatnot. And before we know it, uh, it'll be back to school, which will suck. But then at least there's only like four weeks before Christmas vacation. So it's a much smaller uh, mountain to climb. In my head, it was like two weeks. Well, it might be only two for you because you guys. No, they have three weeks. No, we get out really late. So you're right. Yeah, no, our our last day. Rounding up. Our last day of school (laughs) is December 22nd. There's two. Yeah, I find yeah, yeah. that crazy because it's observed Christmas Eve on Friday. Yeah. That's like a federal holiday. Yeah. Not You're for right. Us. We should write a strongly worded letter to our congressman. Just don't show up. Yeah, that that's not really an option, I mean, though. You could, though. Yeah, no. Oh, the, I thought the we children were off today. Will, will choke on their pencils and it'll be our fault. Oh, we'll, well, we'll go to prison. That's the youth for of America. Reckless we have a holiday party planned. So exactly. it'll be for that day. So I want to be there. It'll yeah. be fun. But yeah, so I, I guess that's vacation. That's what's new with me. Vacation. Just yes. chilling, hanging out, having dinner, making family memories. That's good. Or not. Or Trying whatever. to avoid making memories <laughs> of what's going to happen. That's hey, okay. Victor, what's new with you? Um, well, it's been a while since I've been on. And 
I'm glad. Is that like a passive aggressive? No, no. Like, I'm, I'm just glad that uh, I invited myself for this episode. It's been good. Mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten into woodworking recently. <laughs> bought, bought lots of tools and uh, built some stuff. And uh, that's kind of my new like fun little hobby. You know, you could um, send me a picture of the shoe rack and I could put it on our Instagram. We, I will do that. Absolutely. You I'm guys can excited. all see my, my handiwork. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully it doesn't fall apart in a month. No, I don't think so. Apart. No. It's pretty thing, solid. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty solid. <laughs> it's not going to fall apart. No. Um, you're you're going to be handing this off to grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. then, yeah, my, my Thanksgiving break starts tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, gonna go that see very, some family. Like, it's great when your Thanksgiving break starts on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Good for you. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go see some of my family up in uh, just north of San, of San Francisco, mm-hmm. and then see some other family just uh, south of San Francisco on Friday. So it should be fun. They're like, but fuck it. San Francisco. We're I mean, gonna go north yeah, of it, nobody likes, south of it. Nobody likes to be inside. in that dirty ass city. Ew, yuck. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <gasps> no offense to I you. Said I said what I said. I know said. you live there. I'm sure it's nice where you live. It's not anywhere else. I mean, it, <laughs> it has its moments where we are. Yeah. Well, that's it. What about what about you, my darling? Um. Okay. So I have not had work since Friday. I've been She's out. been drunk the whole time. I've been drunk the whole time. <laughs> True. Can confirm. No. I. Uh. I've been. Hanging out. My kids went with their dad the that evening that we got out on Friday. That um, after dinner, I dropped them off and they went on a trip. So they'll be gone until basically they come home on Monday after school. They'll look home. So we're child free for That's like a, a long good time. Yeah, a good chunk of good chunk of time. So in between in the interim while he's like working, I've been watching a lot of documentaries about cults. <laughs> As one does. And sending me pictures of her children telling me how much she misses them constantly. It's true. I know. I have to. He's just I, saying that because he knows Charlotte listens now. No, I have no, to distract real. myself, though. It can't be all cults and horror all the time. So, um, but I was watching the first few episodes of this documentary called Love Has One. It's like a crazy cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this other one called Twin Flames. Yeah, it's nuts. So I'm like, these people are crazy. Also, I should start a cult. I think I could do it. (laughs) Yeah, I think you could be very persuasive. (laughs) Because you wouldn't seem pushy. You'd be like, join or don't join. I don't don't care. It's up to you. It's like totally not invested in your decision and like buy that aloofness. Live your life. They'll be like, wait, no, I got to be a part of this. You know, it's up to you if you want to be happy, but you know, it's not up to me. Like I'm offering you (laughs) an option, and you, you know, you take it or you don't. Are you down? She can take all their money. Yeah, yeah. Give me your money. Yeah, and then you I'm could just... buy more wood with it. <laughs> I could. Buy so much wood. So many more projects. Start a so cult, man. Wood. Start a cult. <laughs> the uh, uh, you know the ideas are endless. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. It's just been low key chilling and then watching weird stuff on on streaming <laughs> platforms. So, but. You are doing the um, the recap for Devil's Advocates tonight. Yeah, and we need to get started. We're not going to make it through all this material tonight. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. we got lots of people and there's here. Four with of us. So. Thoughts and ideas and statements. Um, so yes, Devil's Advocate, as Meredith mentioned, came out in 1997. So I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't recall if I saw it at that time though. I may have come across it later. Um, but I have watched it lots of times over the years. It's a favorite. Um, I think I was either 
in eighth grade mm-hmm. or getting into high school. Yeah. I was little, little kid. I was 10. Shut up, Demi. <laughs> Nobody asked you, baby. I think this was us talking, Katie and I, and then you just had to this is talk an about how I just want to let you guys know. How yeah. we're old. Let yeah. the old but, speak first. <laughs> no, I mean, I saw it later. Children I didn't respect, respect it, not the her. elders. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it when it um, came out. Yeah. So, um, But it is, I mean, it's kind of a staggering cast. When you get down to it, I started listing it off because obviously our two main characters are played by Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. So like, you know, huge star power from the get go. And then we have two gorgeous women, Charlize Theron and Connie Nielsen, both um, taking pretty significant roles. And then in, you know, kind of slightly smaller roles, we have Craig T. Nelson. Who's yeah. like, I think coach. I don't know if this was post coach, but um It definitely was because I think Coach was like in the early nineties. Yeah. He, yeah. He's peak Craig. Um Jeffrey Jones, who's um very familiar to a lot of people our age for being um the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Beetlejuice, the dad. Uh, yeah, Beetlejuice. and Beetlejuice. Um Tamara Tooney, who uh uh Law and Order SVU fans mm-hmm. um, will recognize her as our Oh, the wife of the Yes, the, of, the, um, of the partner. Eternity? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought she's I the medical examiner her. from Law and Order SVU. Right. Um, and then young Heather Mazzarazzo appears um, as the defendant in the trial at the beginning. Oh, she yeah. was a pretty familiar face in from that Scream. time period. Um, yeah, and then uh, actually, I looked up uncredited for his role. Delroy Lindo is uh, it, who? Who does he play in the movie, or who is he in real life? Who's he in the movie? Uh, he's Philippe Moyes. He's the the um, the guy that kills the goat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I was like, I've seen him in so many things. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, just chock full of recognizable faces. Did you forget um, Andy Belfler? Oh, yeah. The guy who's the, fe- the creepy ass teacher defendant guy. Oh. Who touched that girl. Yeah, I don't care too much about him. He's the worst, but he was Andy Belfler. He was in like all, and True Blood. Yeah, all like eight nine whatever seasons of True Blood okay, he was and, the and sheriff Victor what do you know about Katie that you don't give a shit about vampires and that and very I much upsets never, me never seen a single episode uh, of True Blood in my life he's uh, awesome except for when he plays a child molester yeah. in this movie <laughs> yeah okay? he's great except for that bit yeah. actually I saw random aside I saw him at an airport when I was going to Thanksgiving to did trip. you scream at him for me in child molester no, Good I mean, because I knew him it. mostly. He was <laughs> he's not a vampire, and he's he was, just a sheriff. Okay? He was prominent in my mind from um, True Blood. So yeah. he was just sitting no, there he was really good living Blood. his life yeah. it, at the SFO airport. And I saw, I was like, oh my God. But like I was cool about it. I didn't him. say anything to him, but I was like, yeah. like I did a little nod at him. <laughs> and then and then he gave you his number. He didn't notice me. <laughs> I had like little children hanging on me at the time. Ah, so. uh, yeah, so made you invisible. Yeah. Um, and then, so the other thing worth noting is um, this movie is long. It is uh, two hours and 24 minutes. Um, and so I thought I was going to be able to keep my recap very brief. And in the end, it ended up being as long as my recaps usually are. Uh, so I'll try not to waste any more time. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. But I did want to recognize that, I mean, this, you know, for especially for the late 90s, I mean, this cast was, they, they threw everything at this movie. Yeah. They had, they had the best people. Um, okay, so it begins um, in a trial in a Florida courthouse where a young girl is testifying to being molested by her teacher. Uh, Kevin Lomax, who is Keanu Reeves' character who's, and the teacher's defense attorney, is horrified to observe the teacher rubbing himself in the groinage area during the girl's testimony. But, like, why? 
Um, Sorry. Yeah. And so, but you could see it's a, it's so just stupid. a blip, but um, you're like, this is his realization that, oh my God, my, uh, my client actually is a pervert and probably did actually do what he's being accused of doing. Um, but nonetheless, he does his job, cross-examines the girl, uh, trips her up in a lie, and discredits her, thus winning the case and maintaining his perfect winning streak at trial. Uh, that night, while he drunkenly celebrates at a bar with his smoking hot wife, Marianne, mm-hmm. uh, who is Charlize Theron. Inara, do you have something to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, the dog's with us since the children are here to take care of her while we're uh, recording. She heard it was a family episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin... Kevin and Marianne are um, celebrating at this bar, and Kevin's approached by a New York lawyer who invites him up to the city to help their firm pick a jury for a case. Um, Kevin's Bible-thumping mother is not in favor of the idea, but he and Marianne make the trip anyway. <laughs> She's like, the whores of Babylon are going to be there for you. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, go. Mom, give you, her you rest. I love it when people quote Bible verses at you for real-life situations in the 2000s. Yeah. Or 90s. The late case. 90s, yeah. Um, and but then he, you know, gives it right back to her with um, with Bible verses. So you can tell that this this has been his life. This has been his upbringing. And he um, knows the Bible as well as she does. He just doesn't feel the same way about it. Um, so up in New York, Kevin picks the jury and the firm wins the case. Um, and next, Kevin gets to meet the head partner of the firm, John Milton, who is Al Pacino's character. Um, the two chat. Uh, we learn just in passing that Kevin never knew his father. But he impresses Milton in the conversation and receives a job offer to join the firm. And before you know it, uh, Kevin and Marianne are moving into the high-end company apartment building, which is, they remark, is usually reserved for partners of the firm. So he's like um, a shooting star right to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, at work, he's got a bitchin' office and a case right off the bat, um, the case of Philippe Moyes, as I mentioned, a Delroy Lindo's character, mm-hmm. who's been charged with health code violations in the course of practicing a religious ritual goat sacrifice. Um, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> Later, Kevin visits um, Moyes in his candlelit uh, basement in, you know, a, not a very nice part of town. Um, it's filled with totems, and uh, they have a conversation. Kevin gives Moyes the name of the prosecuting attorney, and Moyes uh, begins hammering nails into a cow tongue. Um, he dismisses Kevin and says that Kevin will have all the help that Moyes could give him. So you're like, oh, okay, so this is definitely, I mean, they don't actually say voodoo or, you know, give any name to these religious practices of this character, but, I mean, that would be the assumption. It's very implied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're like, oh, nails into a cow tongue. Interesting. I'm going to get him to shut up. Like, <laughs> hammering nails. Um, so next, Kevin um, is having to drown himself in the New York City health codes, preparing for that trial. Um, meanwhile, Marianne is getting frustrated, trying to hang with the high society ladies decorating the, their new apartment. Uh, their neighbor, Jackie, so that's Tamara Tooney's character, who's the wife of um, one of the partners, tries to help, offering her the, quote, holy trinity of choices in her new life to work, play, or breed. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, Marianne's getting a glimpse into what, what it's like to be married to one of the um, members of this firm that, you know, work these long, crazy hours and they never see their husbands, but they have so much money that they don't care. Right. Although also, she chose horrible colors for her apartment. Well, but she, I feel like the first one she picks is is like nice, but then 
Jackie's character is like, mm, not with your complexion. And so then as she tries to pick more and more and more, they get progressively worse and worse. As she's, she's like, like, here's like a disgusting color. What yeah. about this one? And you're like, like she's trying to please this other person <laughs> instead of just going with the one she initially picked. Mm-hmm. So she's not, you know, it's it, seemed, all bad. it seemed fun at the outset. Um, it's quickly becoming not fun. Um, in the courtroom, Kevin mounts a brilliant strategy to get Moyes' case dismissed and is successful, but partly because the prosecutor becomes begins uncontrollably coughing and cannot speak mm-hmm. to object or argue. He's Almost like... <laughs> he's so full of nails. Because his tongue is just so chock full of nails. <laughs> Um, after the trial win, Kevin spends some more time with Milton. They ride the subway. We get some, like, kind of an inside, a glimpse into Milton's cunning character. We also see him unexpectedly in different settings, speaking multiple languages very fluently. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he, he's a very um, kind of uh, captivating character at this point, this Al Pacino head of the firm that mm-hmm. Kevin is starting to spend time with. Um, that night, Kevin and Marianne attend a cocktail party at the apartment upstairs in the building belonging to Eddie Barzoon, who's the managing director of the firm. Uh, Marianne is nervous um, going to the party, and the last thing Kevin says to her in the elevator is a promise to not leave her alone at the party. But in moments after arriving, they're pulled apart, obviously. Sorry, but I think that's really dumb. What? <laughs> Don't leave me. Really? Oh, I mean, I might I might say that if I was going to like a work thing with I mean, I'm and like I, rolling my eyes with Tom's job. I mean, it obviously hasn't been to this level. But when he first started at his accounting firm out of college and like, you know, it was I guess it was just the annual Christmas party. Yeah. But, um, you know, he knows everybody there. I know nobody. It's like his professional environment. I want to make a good impression or whatever. I could see being like, oh, God, please don't abandon me. Like, I don't know anyone here. I don't know what to say. This is not my world. Um, So I could kind of relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) there's like, sounds like a pussy. (laughs) I think I would have been fine is all I'm saying. Yeah. You just would have shanked someone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But fortunately for Marianne, Milton quickly finds her and they sit and have an intimate chat. He shows deep interest and compassion for her. And he even suggests a new hairstyle, remarking that she would look much better with her natural hair color. Which yeah. is kind of a bizarre statement for a man to make to a woman he just met, assuming that the hair color she has is not her natural hair color. Well, she also has, like, a perm. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's the worst hair Charlize Theron has ever had. Yeah. It's like this wild, bleached, blonde, crazy perm. It's worse than Mad Max, where she didn't have any hair. I know. I would take that over take this Take Mad up. Max yeah. hair. Then Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Also, it, I don't know if it was a suggestion. It was more just like a, you need to change your hair. Yeah. It was pretty forceful. Um, well, but yeah, like, he was. Oh, you would look so good. He was very hypnotic in his um, yeah. conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I, what I put and in my notes, like teehee, teehee. <laughs> um, I said, well, that conversation gets fairly sensual, actually. Kevin is out on the terrace with Cristabella, who is Connie Nielsen's character, the smoking redhead from International Affairs at the firm. Like, and then she's just a knockout. She's. Absolutely gorgeous. And speaking Italian. And speaking Italian, the sexiest thing she can do. Um, Yeah, because she was um, one of the leads in Gladiator. Um, And then she also uh, filled in on um, Law and Order Special Victims Unit one of the times that Mariska Hargitay was off on maternity leave. And they had to, like, send Olivia's character away for, like, part of a season. Mm -hmm. And so Connie Nielsen filled in as the new partner for Stabler. And they actually, Stabler got to hit that a little bit, too, on (laughs) SVU. I mean, she's she's gorgeous. Um, 
So they're chatting out on the terrace. Milton appears and uh, calls the two of them, quote, the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he tasks Kevin with finding Eddie and Heath and bringing them up to Milton's uh, penthouse in the building because something suddenly has come up. Marion is looking everywhere at the party for Kevin, but he's upstairs learning about the breaking charges against the firm's client, Alex Cullen, that's Craig T. Nelson, for murdering his wife, her stepson, and the maid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they put Kevin on the case, uh, and he's, you know, totally stepping up, uh, jumping right in. But when he gets home later that night, Marianne is pissed, uh, at him for leaving her. And she's not impressed by his new assignment. Um, cause basically like a- as time goes on, just very, very gradually, like at the beginning, she is his priority, mm-hmm. you know, when they first, um, see the apartment and he hasn't taken the job yet or everything he's like say the word and we'll go back to florida like i'm not doing this unless you're on board and she's like of course i'm fucking on board like this is amazing um and then at the very beginning like when she's trying to pick out fabrics for their new upholstery or whatever and and um he shows up out of nowhere and and she's like i thought you said it was impossible and he goes i thought you said it was important yeah and so like you see like he's very definitely prioritizing her and their relationship at the beginning but then the more time that he spends there and the deeper he gets into the firm um his attention and his priorities start to shift um and she's not a fan of that yeah understandably um, so they have their initial meeting, um, with Cullen and, uh, he's distressed that he's being kept from his 14 year old stepdaughter since his arrest, which I'm like, that seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, Marianne is hitting the town with the partner's wives in her new haircut, just like Milton su- suggested. Um, but she is not vibing with their blase uptown attitudes. And then she starts seeing some like demonic apparitions on their faces and bodies. And so it's like. Is she hallucinating? Is she tripping? Is, like, this actually happening? Like, their faces, you know, contort into demonic expressions, and she's just seeing some weird shit. <laughs> They're like, just buy a $3,000 skirt and then throw it in the trash. Once and then throw it away. <laughs> he should have put a, a, a clause in our prenup for cellulite. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, my this God. Is, not, not And then she sees demon ladies. faces, and she's like, oh, God, glug, glug, glug. Get yeah, out of here. No, thank you. <laughs> Um, So she does. She goes home and she tells Kevin about it, but he brushes off her fears. Um, She's hysterical about the pressure to measure up um, and also the news of her pregnant sister and also that she's never seeing Kevin anymore. So he suggests they get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a baby fixes everything, right? Well, if I put a baby in you, you're going to be busy and not worry about me. (laughs) And when we were watching this and Tom's like, yeah, that's what you the hysterical woman. Yeah, make her pregnant. That'll make her <laughs> less less hysterical. I think like, I said on. the same thing. Like, oh, that sounds like a great idea to save yeah. marriage. Put a baby in there. Absolutely. Little help helps up save the relationship. <laughs> um, and so they start getting busy, but suddenly Marianne transforms into Christabella, um, and Kevin sure doesn't mind. Um, but then as the the sexual uh, encounter progresses, she keeps the the woman that he's with keeps flipping back and forth between being Marianne and Christabella. And he's freaking out a little bit. And then Marianne's freaking out a little bit. And it's not a not a satisfying experience in the end. Yeah. Which is very Especially sad. she's like going down on him. And I was like, that's not how you make a baby. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You sit, and he sucks is this on her why toe? you haven't gotten pregnant like, yet? That's because also that's not, not, how that works. not how you make a baby. <laughs> No, no. Mm-mm. So, moving on. 
<laughs> so um, next meeting where Kevin is working with Colin prepping for the trial is in Colin's apartment and the scene was actually filmed in Trump's personal apartment in Trump Tower in New York City it's funny because I was like that apartment is repulsive it's absolutely hideous like, this, is a, yeah. this is a disgusting place and we're like watching it and Tom's like that's Trump's apartment isn't it I was like let me check and I looked on IDB I'm like you bet it is that yeah. was actually on my fun facts, but then I deleted it because I didn't care. It's not so fun. Yeah. It's not no, so it's not so fun. Yeah, no, but it's, it's funny it's because I was like, that place looks because like it's fucking ugly. repulsive. Yeah. yeah, it's not like, oh my God, what an amazing building or what an amazing house. It's like, oh my God, who decorated that? Gaudy. Gaudy. <laughs> um, We're all a bunch of haters here and I'm not scared, you're scared. Yeah. I don't Sorry care. Sorry if I, that's news I, to you. I said what I said. Anyway. Bye. <laughs> um... <laughs> So uh, soon Kevin's mother uh, comes for a visit, and the first night that she's there, they run into Milton in the lobby of the building, and Mama Lomax is definitely shaken by meeting him. She's like, I'm just going to pretend you're not here. not talk to you. (laughs) Um, In the elevator, Milton presses her about having been to New York before, um, but the moment passes, and the next day, Mama suddenly wants to go back to Florida. I've got to leave this place. It's yeah, whores of Babylon. Going back to Florida because <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no whores in Florida. Whores of Babylon, get me out of here. Okay. <laughs> um, and she also expresses being very concerned about Marianne that Kevin's not taking care of her. Yeah, she's been like alone a lot. Yeah, and struggling, like you know, emotional and um, you know, seemingly paranoid, even though we know because we know that what kind of movie we're watching, that the things that she's observing are actually real. Um, now Kevin's met with Colin's assistant, who is his alibi, um, and he accidentally stumbles on a shredding party at the firm with Eddie Barzoon and learns about the Weaver Commission at the Justice Department, which evidently is what uh, the papers are being shredded to avoid. Um Then later, Kevin and Milton are riding the subway to Madison Square Garden, and they're kind of set upon by some hoodlums um, who are ready to (laughs) cut a bitch. It's like Um, the best scene ever. Yeah. But then Milton starts speaking to the guy in Spanish and telling him about how as soon as he left his apartment, his girlfriend was cheating on him with so-and-so from upstairs. Like, all of this, like, specific detailed information that a stranger wouldn't be able to know. And he said it with, like, glee. Yeah, He's like, guess what the fuck is up? Guess what? Right Um, up the butt. (laughs) And he's like, what? Wait, what? What did you say? Yeah. Um, It's such a funny scene. It's great. I mean, but because he's speaking Spanish, Kevin doesn't know what he's saying. Right. Um, And then when Kevin's like, what'd you say to him? He's like, I told him you were going to kick his ass or whatever. He's Um, like, ha, ha, ha. So, yeah. So Kevin's still, you know, fairly um, oblivious. Right. To um, what's actually going on. Um, So after the prize fight that they see at Madison Square Garden featuring a Don King cameo, uh, which was a delightful nugget, um, they're at a Spanish restaurant and Kevin sees more of Milton's ability to manipulate people, namely like whispering in that girl's ear and all of a sudden she's climbing underneath the tablecloth. And he's got a shit-eating grin on his face. He's like, look what I did. (laughs) (laughs) He's like pointing down. He's like, eh? 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 Yeah. Um, But uh, back at the apartment, Marianne wakes up, or is she still dreaming, uh, and finds a baby in the apartment who is playing with entrails. And suddenly there's blood all over her nightgown. Um, The next day she's talking to Kevin. There's no blood on the nightgown, but a despondent Marianne tells Kevin of her diagnosis that she's gotten from the doctors that uh, she has nonspecific ovarian failure and she can't have children. And she is like cracking up big time. 
Yeah. Like, she's a really hot mess. super upset. Yeah, and Kevin is, and he's just, he's not being very compassionate toward mm-hmm. her. Like, he's impatient and frustrated. Um, and the phone's ringing, and he's like, I gotta go. Yeah, I got the, I got this huge case, and he really just wants to focus on that, and she's just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And, like, come on, dude. Your wife is Charlize Theron. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah, especially after she fixed her hair. Yeah. How, how can you still be neglecting I her? I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I fixed my shit. You should be fine. <laughs> um, and now she can't get pregnant. So, like, you don't yeah. have to worry about birth control for the yeah. rest of your relationship. No oh condoms. No yeah. nothing. You're good to go. Boom. No vasectomy in your future, mister. Yeah, dude. <sighs> it's a bummer. <laughs> um, anyway... So, um, next Kevin finds out that Colin's wife actually had proof that he was cheating on her, which was a violation of their prenup. Right. Um, and when he uh, confronts Colin about it, Colin admits that it was his assistant, Melissa, who was supposedly his alibi for the, the murders. Um, and Kevin is also trying to manage uh, Marianne's condition, and, he, and Milton is there, and Milton tells him he's taking Kevin off the case. Um, he says, you know, you need to you need to take care of her. Like, it's not a big deal. There'll be other cases. Like, you need to focus on on Marianne. But Kevin refuses. Um, and, I mean, Milton yeah. points out. He's like, no, you need to prioritize her. And he says that great line of, like, you know what I'm afraid of? I, I quit the case. She gets better. And I hate her for it. I know. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah. But, like, Milton is definitely like, no, this is the right thing to do. You should do it. And giving him the opportunity to do the right thing. And Kevin is like, nope. Nope. Going to do this instead. He's um, almost like devil's advocate. What? Should oh you do this? God. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Guess not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Moving right along. Interesting choices there, Kev. <laughs> Um, so the trial begins and after a strong opening statement, um, by Kevin, Eddie Barzun approaches him about finding Kevin's name on the film's charter as a partner, just like out of the blue. He's like, looks like it's been there for years. Um, and they argue back and forth and Barzun threatens to talk to the Weaver Commission if he keeps getting pushed around. So he feels threatened by Kevin's like appearance in the firm and how much, you know, attention and favoritism and preference he's getting. And he's like, you know, I've been... Uh, dodging this Justice Department investigation. I've been shredding documents. I've been protecting the firm. But if you got, if it's all about Kevin now, then maybe I'll just stop. Um, and he, Eddie takes off on a jog in the park. <laughs> um, so Milton and Kevin are talking about Eddie, and the scene jumps back and forth. And while Milton is monologuing, we see Eddie plagued by apparitions in the park on his jog, um, and he's being attacked by them. And then we see Marianne is actually watching from their apartment window because obviously it's a it's a park view apartment. Um, and uh, we see Eddie beaten to death by homeless men. Um, but we see Marianne doesn't see, but we see the same demonic imagery on the faces of the homeless men that um, Marianne had noticed before, too. Um, now, this is the little fun part. While Kevin is prepping Melissa to testify as Cullen's alibi, he stumbles on the fact that she doesn't know if Cullen is circumcised. So evidently, as he put, you've been polishing his knob for six months and you don't know if he's cut. And she's like, uh, fuck you, buddy. He definitely is. He definitely is. I promise. Hey. Yeah. I mean, ew, if he wasn't, right? That's right, I right? I think that, yeah, it was definitely like, oh, wait. 
you're lying through your teeth. Yeah. So, um, and I have to put realizing that she's lying. It's a callback to the trial at the beginning and his conflict, because in both situations, he's starting to believe that the person he's defending is actually guilty of something terrible. Um, And he's at like a crossroads to decide what to do. And you feel like throughout the movie that he has a conscience. Yeah. Even though he's like neglecting his wife and all this other shit that's Mm -hmm. making you think like, okay, maybe he is just an asshole. Yeah. But, you know. He's got the look on his face. Yeah, like he's horrified. Shit. Yeah, like he genuinely yeah. like thought that the person he was defending was innocent. And he says that to Milton about the teacher case um, when they first meet. He says, I began the case with a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just this these situations where um, information arises to show him that he was wrong. And what does he do in that situation? Um. But before he can do anything, uh, the news hits the office that Eddie's been killed. Um, and so now they're back on the subway uh, heading back to the trial. And um, Milton and Kevin are debating Cullen's guilt. And like, did he do it? Does it matter? What, you know? Um, and Milton suggests that maybe it's Kevin's time to finally lose. So like, again, he's opening this gate of like, I mean, would that be so bad? Maybe, I mean, you can't win them all. Maybe this is the one you lose. Um And, uh, but Kevin's response to that is just like, I don't lose. I win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so it's a a little disappointing because again, he's presented with these two options and he's choosing the wrong one. Right. Yeah. You know, um, almost like he's got a devil on a shoulder and an angel on another shoulder and he keeps picking the devil. Well, I mean, he just, you know, wants to propel his, you know, his his, career, his career and, He's a selfish bitch. He's selfish. Aww. Yeah. Poor Kevin. Um, You're only so, saying that because it's Keanu. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once they're back in court, Kevin proceeds with their defense and Melissa's testimony, which he knows is is um, not plagiarism. What's the word I'm looking for? Lies and deceit. What do you call the false testimony? Uh, well, this is a sobriety test for the four of us. Stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it'll it'll come to me. Anyway, being a liar. Being, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say bingling. bing-a-ling. I was like, that's definitely not it. That is being not a legal a term. Perjury. 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 Perjuring herself. Yeah. So, and he has committed care. a crime by sub, they call it suborning perjury, like putting her on the stand when he knows she's gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but the trial is over and Colin is acquitted. Hooray! Yeah, um, you did it. Good job, Kev. Now um, go tend to your wife. Yeah, I'm that's sure what she, you said, right? I'm sure she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> um, oh, no. Immediately oh, after, Kevin returns to their apartment building, and the doorman tells him that Marianne has left and went to a nearby church. He runs to the church and finds her again despondent, sitting in a pew wrapped in a comforter. She confesses to him that she had been with Milton, that they had talked for hours and then had sex. But when she tells Kevin this happened that very day, he angrily tells her that Milton was in court with him all day. So it's like, you fucking crazy bitch. He couldn't have done it's that. It's impossible. Yeah. And so only the devil could have done that. Whoa. And he's clearly not the devil. No. Nope. Or magical in any way. Uh-uh. So you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> Um, but she, you know, him, when he tells her this, like, she freaks out. She's in denial. And all of a sudden stands she's up. She's like, no, no, no. You yeah. Know, we were together. I, pro- I swear. I, I swear, swear. I swear. Um, and then she throws off the comforter, revealing a completely naked body covered in cuts. Like, oh, her entire totally body. Oh, totally like um, Rosemary's baby. Yeah. Um, Very sexy. 
Yeah, well, and that's another thing that, that Tom and I were talking about earlier, that, like, any movie where you have Connie... Because Connie Nielsen, we get full frontal with her in this movie as well. So both her and Charlize Theron, you have these two spectacularly gorgeous women in your film, and you get them to both do full frontal nudity. It's like, they really uh, oh, outdid themselves with this project. Well, so, it, sophomore year Tom appreciated this movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, definitely. Sophomore year Tom mm. was a big fan. <laughs> um, well, f- fun fact... Uh, I had it on here, but I don't see it anymore. But Charlize Theron like debated doing the movie in general because mm-hmm. of the nudity scenes. Okay, but decided that uh, she was going to go for it, probably because Al Pacino's in it. Yeah, no, <laughs> it definitely was a an incredibly high profile project, so yeah. she's yeah. probably the right call for her career to do that. Um, but I'm, then, not, I'm not mad about it. No, me neither. I mean, wow, anybody could appreciate that. I mean, except for the cuts. The cuts weren't. Sexy. They were not ideal. For me. Yeah. Um, but so Kevin checks Marianne into a hospital, um, and she says to him that this is all happening because of the blood money they took from clients. And so she was like, we knew they were guilty. We took the cases anyway, Kevin. This is all our fault. The thing is, okay, I'm, t- I'm annoyed. <laughs> okay. okay. Do, do tell. Because lawyers do this every fucking day. Yeah. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. They know for sure their clients are guilty. Yeah, yeah. And that's how our legal be, system works. Legal system. I mean, yeah. being somebody, I have a degree in criminology mm-hmm. and I understand a little bit about the criminal justice system. Uh, but that's how our system works. You're mm-hmm. supposed to have a fair and, you know, um, you know, a defense that has a good head on their shoulders, someone who knows their stuff. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. And having that like whole narrative of like we know they're guilty we took blood money i'm like no that's how our system works you're supposed yeah. to defend people i don't know sorry i'm just annoyed yeah no that's, that's just, my that just bothers me my uncle was a process a defense attorney for high profile cases in los angeles for i don't know 30 years yeah but like i don't judge him the thing is, people are entitled to their legal, fair and legal yeah. defense trial. If and your prosecutor fucking <sighs> sucks, that's not that's not your fault. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Well, I'm just and I mean, I'm just saying, like, I understand the whole narrative of the movie. I understand where they're coming from. But mm-hmm. also there's also reality of this is what how our justice system was created. And you're supposed to have a lawyer this entitled to a defense. You're supposed to be <laughs> able to get away with shit. <laughs> If you if you have money, yeah, if you have money, yeah. Oh well, that's a whole other can of worms. But I'm just I'm like I'm that maybe when I was like 12, I'd be like, yeah, you're taking blood money. But now I'm like an adult. Like, yeah, some someone needs to do that job. I've seen some things, and I'm like, that's yeah. how it's supposed to work. I don't know why. Okay, anyway, sorry. Dante's also, sorry a- if you're hearing the dog eat in the background. She was crying, so I brought her food in here. <laughs> yeah. All right, continue. Sorry, I was annoyed <laughs> okay. by that okay. um, interaction. I guess. <laughs> Um, so now it's Eddie Barzun's funeral, which seems to have happened very quickly they for a man that together was fast. just beaten to death in the park <laughs> yesterday. I felt like it was, um, Spongebob's, Spongebob? No. Yeah. Spongebob. Three hours later. Yeah, three hours later, <laughs> and it was like his funeral, kind yeah. of, that's how I was feeling. hammered. Yeah. I'm, I'm, She's sipping her water. Give her a break. Um, And because he was recently acquitted, Colin naturally is there at the funeral with the 14-year-old stepdaughter he was so concerned about. And Kevin sees sees Colin sensually stroking the 14-year-old's back. And so you're like, 
what the fuck? And then as Kevin looks it at It wasn't them, the assistant. <laughs> um, as Kevin's watching, Cullen then appears to him as the teacher from the trial at the beginning. So he sees him, you know, kind of transform back and forth between those two characters. So there's that same parallel that he knows that this is a very, very sick, bad person that he just helped, you yeah. know, helped save or helped Definitely rescue. Definitely some, like, grooming of some kind. Oh, yeah. Bad. Not okay. Mm-hmm. Um and then, uh, so Kevin storms out of the church, um, and outside is approached by the Justice Department rep that Eddie had mentioned, who rattles off all of the black dealings that the firm is involved in all around the world, just like the worst possible, like every every niche, terrible thing that you could be doing in business or law like, around the world, they're in waste. it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, like arms dealing. Arms and, dealing. Yeah, and human trafficking and like all this stuff. Um and the the uh, Justice Department guy says that Eddie was about to rat them out. He was about to talk. Um, and then he drops the bomb on Kevin that the teacher from the trial at the beginning was found yesterday with the body of a 10-year-old girl in the trunk of his car. And so it's kind of like, He's well, like, that's, what, what, what? that's your fault, Kevin, oh, no. because that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't gotten him acquitted, basically, is like how that would appear, I think, to to that, to that an attorney in that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is the, the best moment. Back in the church, Milton is standing in the back, and he cheekily places his finger in the font of holy water and makes it sizzle. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like having a great old time. Um, and then out on the street, the Justice Department guy uh, walks into the street to continue talking to Kevin and is run down and killed. Yeah, I know. I'm like, really? You're just going to run out to the street? I and mean, not even look any look yeah. either way. Well, obviously yeah. the devil will try to get him killed. Hello. Yeah, people guy. are careless, dumb dummies. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> um, back in the hospital, Mama Lomax is with a non-responsive Marianne. Um, Kevin uh, shows up and steps out with his mom to talk, and she reveals to Kevin that she had been in New York City before on a mission trip when she was a young girl, and that she met his father there. Um, while they're out of the room, Marianne has another demonic vision and uses a piece of broken mirror to cut her own throat um, and kill herself. Uh, and then after, you know, the the dust settles from, from that scene and that death, um, his mom, Kevin's mom, finally tells him plainly that Milton is his father. Uh, and at that moment, like, Kevin actually understands that Milton is evil. Um and so he goes to Milton's apartment with a gun, uh, but when he starts shooting him, it does nothing, which you would expect. Um, Milton does reveal that in addition to being Kevin's father, he's also the devil. Uh, Kevin goes, he's a Satan, and, and Al Pacino goes, call me dad. <laughs> Great line. Yeah. Um, we get some peak monologuing, um, and Milton expresses that he doesn't make anyone do anything it was all free will and he points out all of the outs that he gave to kevin like mm-hmm. i told you to take care of your wife He's i told you to leave the case every step of the way you had a choice and you chose to do exactly what you did um and he says that vanity is his favorite sin which is another great line and then uh christabella arrives and we learn that she's actually kevin's half-sister that's a bummer and you find out that your wife just died and the hot side piece that you had access to, oh, she's your sister. Bummer. Bummer. Um, we get some more really spectacular monologuing about God. I, I like peak Pacino, like just his delivery, the way that he speaks. Um, and then also the writing is, you know, just some 
almost cliche perspectives about God that, you know, people probably have expressed at, at different points, but to have it performed by him was just perfect. Um, and then he reveals his desire for Kevin and Christabella to not only take over the firm, but also to reproduce. He'd like, uh, he'd like you to put a baby in this one now. Um, <laughs> and so it's a very convincing and entertaining performance by Milton. I like that he, um, Kevin at one point asks him like, why the law? And he says that the law is the new priesthood uh-huh. that gets you access to everything. Like mm-hmm. every aspect of society you can get into, um, via the law. Um, and in their conversation, Kevin seems to be negotiating his participation, like his going along with what Milton wants. Um, Christabella drops her gown, gives us an awesome crucifixion pose that is super troubling. Um, and it seems that Kevin is about to make it with her. Like, that's totally how you want to get with a lady is with Pacino standing over you. He's basically like, as a thumbs up, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With your dad standing over you. Good your going. Sister. You with your dad standing over you. I mean, sister. don't really view him as dad, view him as Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if your dad was Al Pacino, maybe you wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I won't ask you to do that uh, one Pacino line that <laughs> you liked as a lawyer. Um, but uh, anyway, so they're they're about to um, make it happen. Um, and <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. Um, and Kevin uh, stops and he says, free will, right? And he blows his own brains out. Mm-hmm. Um, Milton obviously is is horrified. He transforms into a horned devil. Christabella withers away into a mummified corpse. Um, and then Pacino transforms into a winged Keanu and screams to the heavens just in this like whole dramatic moment of them reacting to Kevin's choice to kill himself. Um, and we travel through a fiery portal back to the moment in the courthouse bathroom during the trial at the very beginning. Um, shaking it all off like it was a dream, Kevin returns to the courtroom and recuses himself from the trial because now that he knows that his client is guilty, he can in good conscience proceed. Um, but there are obviously repercussions um, as a lawyer at that point for you to step out of a trial. Um, and But he's accepting those consequences rather than proceed in defending a man that he knows is guilty. So he recuses himself. Um, and Marianne, after, you know, asks him, baby, what are you doing? And he says, the right thing. <laughs> and we're like, oh, he learned his lesson so beautiful. Good guy, Keanu. Yay. Um, as they leave the courtroom later, though, Kevin is approached by a familiar newspaper reporter who talks up the enormity of the story, you know, like defense attorney with a conscience, blah, 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 that Kevin's a star. And so finally he talks Kevin into talking to him, like giving him an interview and allowing him to make a story out of it. And after Kevin walks away, the reporter transforms into Pacino, who says, vanity, definitely my favorite sin, as Paint It Black begins to play and we go into the credits. Mm-hmm. And that... Apologies for the length. Was Devil's <laughs> Advocate? Hey, Victor, did you think it was scary? No. No. No, not at all. Okay. Um, in fact, after we watched it, which I had apparently never seen it until two days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I looked at Meredith and I said, "I don't understand how this is classified as a horror movie." Ah, Tom asked the same thing yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I really liked it. I thought it was a great movie. 
especially as a fan of the, as you mentioned in the beginning, the myriad of fantastic actors and actresses mm-hmm. that are part of it. But I did not think it was scary. I, I honestly didn't even think it was a thriller. I thought it was more just like a like a drama. Yeah, I guess. Um, so no, I did not think it was scary, but I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Meredith? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, nothing scares you. Yeah. You're not wrong. But, I mean, Al Pacino made the whole movie. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, I love Keanu, don't get me wrong, but, you know, his accent. Yeah. You know, but we all we already know this. When he's in Dracula, he's like, oh, my gosh. Mina. <laughs> Mina. I, Mina. Like. I'm a I'm a British lawyer. <laughs> no, I love him. I love him so much. Honestly, yeah. he's great. And I mean, this you know his accent is to you know, <laughs> you know where I'm like, ooh, that's not great. But um, it's really you know the interactions he had with Al Pacino and the subway scene got me <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> uh, and then his his yeah monologuing at the end, he just makes this movie so amazing and fantastic. I could watch Pacino for and anything. He's yeah. so amazing. And this is not new information. Hey, Al Pacino is a great actor. Is this new? No. Yeah. We all know this, but I really appreciate him in this movie as the devil. So yeah, it was really um it's really fun. There are some actors that you're you're kind of like, yeah, no, you were you need to be you need to play the devil at some point in your career. Yeah, for um, sure. And sometimes it's a really interesting selection, like because um, like Tim Curry was the devil in, in Legend. In Legend. Yeah. Who was the devil in Little Nicky? Wasn't it a, like a rock star? Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl yeah, was the, Grohl. the devil in Little Nicky. So mm-hmm. yeah, like they're. Um, it's always interesting to see who gets cast in that role when you actually have Satan as an individual as part of your cast. Like to see, you know, what what actor is chosen and and what direction they try and take it in. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, did you find this movie scary in any kind of way? No, not scary. And or entertaining. uh, Very entertaining uh, for obvious reasons as a sophomore in high school. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, and it's as, a fun movie. As a forty-one-year-old man now, I think you'd still appreciate those same elements. You He's don't, like, you don't outgrow the appeal yeah. of <laughs> naked ladies. Yeah, especially no, it's those. A, it's a fun movie. Those broads. Those yes. broads. They man. look really nice. They, they look. They're pretty. It's a little creepy at the pretty. end when you realize that the devil hasn't actually chosen the law, just the media to. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um. I don't know. I, I would say this is. It, I, I think it's only, you know, categorized as a horror because it's like the devil and demons and all that stuff, and there's the church involved. So that's how it gets that kind of categorization. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree. But that I, it's, well, I think dumb. I would say the same thing. Yeah. The church is horrifying. Yeah. The church. It, the church is a horror movie for sure. Yeah. Well, and that's why, like, and this is what I think is a really big um, connection between the two movies we're talking about tonight, aside from Keanu being in both of them, is this idea of using the the structure um, of the Catholic Church as as your jumping off point to tell a story, because it's almost like when you think about like the Marvel Universe um, or, or any kind of um, like setting for a movie where you need that you need that structure you need the relationships you need this like fictional 
scenario of like, okay, like X-Men, you know, you have this whole backstory of like how mutants came to be and then the school and the, and all of that that led up to the events that then happened in those movies where it's like the Catholic Church just kind of hands you that of like, here is this structure with these, you have these different roles, these different people that are involved. And we have these, these myths, um, these ideas of angels and demons and God. And we have all, you know, relics and, and Bible verses and all this stuff is like handmade to just tell whatever story you want. You just use that as your jumping off point. Yeah. And, and part of my fun facts that I actually didn't include in my notes, but is relevant to this conversation is the, the church at the beginning where the mom was in, mm-hmm. that was an actual church with an actual pastor and actual people that went to that church. Yeah. They just inserted the, the actress, mom yeah. and Keanu into well, he, that. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't even out. <clears throat> well, yeah, he was outside. He was, yeah. he was you know, listening in, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all that was like real. Mm-hmm. They just like went in and like told, hey, we're, we're recording this. Yeah. FYI for a movie. Sign, sign these papers. Yeah, sign these papers if you're fine with that and like do your normal thing. Yeah. And like, I think that's great. Yeah. You know, it's not just like a bunch of actors. It's like, these are real people this celebrating their, this is, yeah. this is them celebrating their faith mm-hmm. and that's great. For them, you know, and um, it's 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 crazy how both of these movies, like the, the the faith aspect of it, is is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, it's all kind of been front loaded in all of us. Like, even I'm not. I'm I've never been in the Catholic Church mm-hmm. or really super familiar with that stuff. And I know all of you are because mm-hmm. you have gone to school, all that stuff, and um, been a big part of that. But even I know certain parts of. Uh, you know, when they make references in these movies, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know well, about part that. Part of that is the so. exposure because it is present in so many, especially in so many horror movies, like any horror movie, like anytime there's a demon, anytime there's a possession, you know, it's like, who do they call? Nobody likes a priest when he's touching <laughs> little boys. But when somebody is possessed, all of a sudden, that's the first person you want there touching that little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a I different way. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the forehead. On the forehead, not. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere or holding um, them down to get the demon out not holding them down exactly, for other reasons exactly and we shouldn't joke about this but um but it is true that it is so um it's so present in so many films um that i think that like like you say Meredith, even somebody that has never been a, a part of the catholic faith in any way you've still been exposed to enough information that you understand the roles you understand some of the practices and some it's just a very um structured approach to religion as opposed like compared especially like victor you mentioned the the church beginning Mm -hmm. um you know any non-denominational christian or baptist it's like they you know obviously they follow the bible and they have their rules but it's not like you know (laughs) one of tom's issues with the catholic church is that it does operate like a corporation oh yeah absolutely Um, even even it is it is a tax-free corporation exactly exactly. um but that's the level of structure and stricture that is that is part of catholicism that um then it makes it it makes it perfect for these kinds of stories of when you're talking about law or media like something else that's governed by rules and procedures um they really mesh together in a way that lets you tell a good story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. i mean and i agree with you guys that this isn't um a horror movie um but i think this and constantine like it's a different genre just based around horror elements 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to go ahead and jump into your recap of Constantine? Well, well. Oh, wait, you're not yeah. finished talking well, about this. Oh, okay. As per usual, if you're a regular listener, you know that we have Victor's Fun Fact Corner. Okay, be fast. I've got, I want to talk I, about I, I will be on fast. my recap. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously my favorite part of the movie is Charlize Theron, obviously. But, <laughs> obviously. but realistically, okay, obviously. the subway scene that you were talking about with... Al Pacino speaking Spanish to that guy mm-hmm. and telling him that his wife was getting, you know, fucked in the ass. Um, <laughs> that was that was hilarious. That was probably my favorite scene. Um, but anyway, here, <laughs> Both of you here are my fun describe facts. that scene as hilarious. It is hilarious. <laughs> it is funny, it's though. so funny. Um, he's like smiling and glee. He's like, so guess what? <laughs> guess what's happening? <laughs> so here, here are my fun facts. Charlize Theron was actually turned down for the role oh. because she's too pretty. Which makes sense, <laughs> yeah. Because why would you not care about your wife if she's Star- Charlize Theron? Yeah. Um, but then she screen tested three more times in different emotional scenes uh, for the story, and and convinced the director and the Warner Brothers executives that she was up to par for the task. I mean, she can't even ugly cry. No, she, she can't. Hysterical. Well. She yeah, did. Right. Yeah, she definitely played fucking schizophrenic well. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, another fun fact, Keanu signed on specifically to work with Pacino, even though they couldn't afford him, and he took millions of dollars less to play this role because he wanted to work smart without Pacino. Smart move, Keanu. Very smart move. Um, also, there was a lawsuit over the sculpture in Milton's office, ah. and the original theatrical cut of the movie only received a brief rental release before they pulled the movie to remove it. So what we've seen on streaming does not have this sculpture in it, but there are collectors that own the original copy of the movie that have this sculpture in it. That's stupid. Which is really fucking crazy. Those people are lame, but also I kind of want to see it because I want to know what this sculpture is all about. So if you're one of those lame people you're listening right now, can you uh, send it it over? Oh, it's a sculpture on a church. Yeah, I'm not scared you're scared at gmail.com. It's a a sculpture on a church. No, it's not. It's the one in Al Pacino's room. No, not the thing behind it. I'm saying the one that was copied. The, oh, uh, the yeah, artist yeah. was like, "You stole my sculpture." Oh, I see. So basically, okay. it's on a church. It's art, like a sculpture on front of, in front of a church on so a church. The, they make, and made they, a duplicate of it for the purpose. Pretty of the much, movie. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And he's like, "You, you didn't even credit me. Like, that's not. You can't do that." And they're like, "Oh, it's completely unrelated." And he's like, "Is it though?" <laughs> and so they went to court, and they're like, "Yeah, you can't do that." so but yeah it was completely ripped off in my opinion it was like how what are the chances so yeah um another thing is uh so kevin and uh his what was her name marianne marianne kind of live in with different recycled scripts so kevin's is basically the firm with satan yeah (laughs) and marianne's is rosemary's baby yeah like it's basically recycled scripts for each of them which yeah. is kind of funny. Except, I mean, the the contrast of Rosemary's Baby was about impregnating in her. And in this one, they took up from her her fertility. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so also, uh, as far as casting goes, Kevin Lomax was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And then... That would have been an extremely different movie. It would have. But also, the, ones, the people that were also considered for the role were Christian Slater, <sighs> John Cusack, and Edward <laughs> Norton. Okay, well, I, I can see either yes. of those. Yeah. yeah. Christian Slater, I'm sorry. And no. also with Al Pacino. So he wanted to do the, the movie from the beginning, which was several years before this came out. And 
they he had issues with like they wanted to use a bunch of CGI, which wasn't really a thing yet. Okay. And he was just like, that's going to be dumb because CGI isn't real yet. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I'm going to look um, like a dork. <laughs> so, yeah. like so a dork. I'm pe- trying to use this thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people, other people that were considered for the roles were Sean Connery, Robert oh. Redford, mm. and uh, Richard Greer, and what? Kevin Spacey. Richard, Richard Gere. Greer. Gere, excuse me. Oh. Gear. We've had some drinks, okay? I, I thought I was like, is that David Allen Greer? Like Pam Greer? <laughs> Pam, Pam Greer? Pam Greer's dad. And then my last one mm-hmm. is during the beginning of the film, Al Pacino and Keanu were on on top of the office building. Pacino promises money, clients, power to Reeves if he joins the firm. This is a reference to the temptation of Christ, where Satan took him to a mountaintop and showed him all the cities of the world and promised. To, uh, promised it all to him if he bowed down to him, and no. Yeah, and, and Jesus no. didn't. And Jesus said no. Yeah, he's like nah, man. He was like no. he was like nah, dog. Yeah, and then, <laughs> then he was crucified. Like yeah, what the fuck? It's very weird. So those are my little fun facts about the movie. We might have to put a religion disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> oh, religion. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just check the explicit content box like yeah. I always yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> so. So that was the movie. I, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Yeah. I did. Me too. Uh, I, I liked it also. I, I don't get tired of it. I did like Constantine more. Well. So we'll get into that right let's hear now. Let's Constantine then. Okay. Meredith is doing the recap. Let's go. Sure. Okay. So Constantine was released in 2005. So in the opening, there's a two um, bits of text. The first says, he who possesses the spear of destiny holds the fate of the world in his hands. And the second bit of text says, The Spear of Destiny has been missing since the end of World War II. I thought it had just been missing since the end of that Jack Black movie. Since the end, yeah, that too. <laughs> Dave Grohl, also the devil so, in that movie. Gosh, uh-huh. they're always being little little stinkers. Okay, so um, it opens up in a uh, desert. It says Mexico is the title card. Um, it's, a, it's a deserted area. There's trash and ruins of a church. And two men appear to be um, under the church scavenging. Um, one guy, he his leg kind of smashes into the ground and he finds a, a folded up Nazi flag and he unfolds uh, it to find a spear. He starts hearing kind of whispers. Yeah, the he- head of a spear. In and he, Mexico? Yes. Nazis were burying artifacts in Mexico. They were everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Europe and North America. Um, Call back. So he starts walking away with a purpose, and his friend calls after him, asking where he's going, and suddenly he's hit by a car. And the car is smashed basically into smithereens, and the man is unscathed with a very prominent uh, mark on his arm, and then he runs away. And this man, his name, his his friend refers to him as Manuel. Manuel, where the where are you going? And he just kind of runs off. Um, so in the next scene, it it opens and it says uh, Los Angeles. A mother is making some tea for her child, and she's horrified to find her on the ceiling, looking <laughs> a little rough and hissing. <laughs> then that's up, one way to describe yeah. Lionel Richie. Up pulls. <laughs> I, I know she's on the ceiling too. <laughs> Um, up pulls a taxi, a cigarette, but is dropped out in Keanu Reeves, uh, who's John Constantine. Real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt you. My what? Darling. That man has never smoked a cigarette in his life. He's dropping a cigarette like that. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. So he steps out. What do you mean? Because it wasn't spent? No. 
He literally just takes a cigarette in his in his two fingers. He lit, he puts it out the window and he just lets go of it. When you, I I was a smoker from seventeen until I met her, which was fifteen years later. You do not just drop a cigarette out of your window. You always flick it. It doesn't matter who you he's are. He's John fucking Constantine. I know he's John fucking Constantine, <laughs> but Keanu has never smoked a cigarette before this movie in his life. I thought you were saying that like as an actual piece of trivia that Keanu had never smoked. No, as a smoker, I can tell that the actor playing Constantine. What if the director told not, him to do that? The director has never smoked a cigarette in his fucking life. <laughs> okay, apologies, Meredith. You may continue. So, okay. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, who plays John Constantine, our main character, he steps out. He's wearing a nice suit. He lights another cigarette. A priest emerges from behind a pillar saying he thinks he found him another one and he couldn't pull it out himself. He goes into the house with the demon. I know. Um, Oh, and that priest, his name is uh, Father Hennessy. He's referred to as Father Hennessy. That's a great name. He he goes into the house with the demon girl. John does. And he goes and does some exorcist shit. (laughs) That's what I said in my notes. The girl um, is talking in um, hell speak, uh, another language, and um, he tells him it's he says it's me, John Constantine. The asshole. girl, yeah, asshole. <laughs> he the girl passes out and he leans in close when he notices something trying to emerge from her neck. He yell and then he punches her neck because he's like <laughs> it's trying to burst out of her kind of alien style. It's pretty horrific. He yells for a mirror to p- perform the exorcism. He's shout out to Chaz, who's played by Shia LaBeouf, um, <laughs> his apprentice, to move the taxi, which is kind of right below where the apartment is. The mirror is tied and about to go out the window, and he's about to perform his exorcism. He tells all the men who he's helping, don't look, and of course one does, and his hair turns all white, and then the girl starts strangling Constantine. The demon looks into the mirror, he gets trapped inside the mirror, kind of in another plane, and then they send the mirror, with a little of a struggle, out of the window, and it smashes back onto the car. The demon was trapped in the mirror, and it smashes to pieces. And it was trying to get out. It was trying to get yeah, out of there. Which, which is important. Yeah. Get out of the um, the mirror and onto our plane. The plane of the living, I guess. So before Constantine leaves, he notices a drawing of the spear on the wall that probably, presumably, the teen girl drew during her possession. Hmm. He asks the priest, or Father Hennessy, to take off his protection, his necklace that he wears, and to listen to the ether for a few days, because something was not right with that exorcism. He said, basically, a a soldier demon was trying to get out of a little girl, and that's really odd. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. So Constantine (laughs) returns to his place above the bowling alley to to go smoke. And meanwhile, Angela Donson, played by Rachel Weiss, she's in confession, and she's a police officer, and she's talking about her talent for finding bad guys. And um, she kills... is like, quit bragging. <laughs> yeah, she keeps, like, killing him, and she go, she's like, you know, so many police officers go 20 years without firing their weapon, and I manage to find them all the time. And kind of wondering why, why that's happening, and um, she has a lot of guilt. And the priest is like, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> the priest never even says anything. Like for all we know, she was in an empty confessional. No, like, I mean no, he, he does talk. He's like, he talks and he's like, you know, you're just yeah. following your path. I can't remember what he, he says, but he says oh, some things to kind of that. make her feel better he about said herself. That don't let your guilt be greater than your faith. Um, something like that. So 
Probably, but probably more than what I said about you know what are you gonna do? So meanwhile, and also, do you know any little boys? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. So <laughs> meanwhile, her twin, um, you know, uh, Angela, she gets ready for bed, she goes to sleep, uh, and then it tell, it shows, and the next scene, her twin Isabel is awakened in a facility of some kind, and she runs out onto the roof. She has the same kind of mark on her arm as that man, Manuel, on her arm, and uh, it suddenly appears. And then she leaps off to the, off of the roof and lands on, in the indoor pool, and she has passed away. Angela awakens from her ter- terrifying nightmare. She kind of lived that moment with her twin sister, and she's, you know, out of breath, kind of, you know, wondering what happened. Constantine at another, you know, meanwhile in his place is just coughing up blood into the sink and it doesn't look great. And then we see uh, a little bit later chest x-rays um, images of his, his lungs and his doctor says he is, uh, it's aggressive, this lung cancer. And he's like, of all the things that I've been dealing with, I've, I've dealt with so much and this is what's going to do me in. Are you freaking kidding me? And she's like, you need to make your arrangements. Um, you need to get your affairs in order, in order. And he's like, I already know where I'm going, basically. And, um, you know, that's that. And then he lights up a cigarette and she's not pleased. And, and then he, he bounces. So Angela arrives at the scene where her sister has died. She's adamant her sister Isabel would not kill herself because she was a devout Catholic and God was the only person who loved her. And was a, she was like, you know, he, she wouldn't do that. She's about to leave the hospital and asks a smoking in the hospital, Constantine, to hold the door in the elevator. And he's like, yeah, not if I can help it. And she sh- he, like the door shuts in her face. Real dick <laughs> And he's a jerk. Yeah, fuck Rachel he's Weiss. A jerk. So in another part of the country, we see a possessed Manuel walking with a spear among a field of grazing animals and they just stop, start dropping dead as he walks among them which is not a good sign <laughs> so um, Constantine receives some tools from Beeman um, a guy who's like a nerd anyway he, <laughs> he collects that's how you're describing him he's, like a nerd. he's a nerdy yeah, he's he a guy who likes really bugs. likes um, procuring stuff to fight demons and, and likes and, bugs and he likes bugs yeah. so to me, that spells out nerd, but anyway. <laughs> um, he comments that um, he tells Beeman he, he pulled a demon soldier out of a little girl. How weird that was. Then later he goes to see someone and Angela is there too. And it's I think it's a, a really prominent church where they live. He goes to see... She, Angela is there. She goes to see her priest. And Constantine walks further and goes to see the angel Gabriel, who is played by Tilda Swinton. Angela is begging for her sister with the priest to have the Catholic burial, burial, but she denies her, or wait, he denies her saying, um, you know, she took her own life. You know how the church regards this, you know, there's no workarounds. Um, So meanwhile, Constantine asks for some more time, knowing that he is dying of his disease and um, commenting, he returned so many demons that that should count for something. And Gabriel says, it doesn't matter, you know, you, you know, and that, that you just don't have faith. And he's like, I do have faith. And she's like, no, that's different. You know, you know that that's how life is and what, what happens. But that's different from having faith. And um, Gabriel says, there's nothing that, be done, that can be done. Constantine 
is going to hell because of the life he took. And she's like, you're fucked, basically. <laughs> no, she literally says you're fucked. She does, yeah. 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 And she's like, he's Which like, I think should, is a great he's like, shouldn't I count for something? I've dispatched so many demons back to hell. You know, like I've been working and working. And she's like, yeah, but it's self-serving. You're not doing that for any other reason than to buy yourself into heaven. Mm-hmm. So you're fucked. So he leaves, he's upset, he's coughing, Angela leaves at the same time, and instead of getting to the cab with Chaz, he decides to go walk in the rain. His priest friend, um, Father Hennessy, he's reading and slash feeling papers and looking for abnormalities, and since Constantine has asked him to just, you know, kind of poke around and listen to the ether, he finds an article about Isabel jumping off the roof. At home, Isabel is crying and rewatching the camera footage of Isabel jumping off the roof, and she thinks she hears a whisper of the name Constantine. Um, and she writes the name down, and she rewinds it, and she doesn't hear it again, but that's a little interesting. I don't know. It's pretty sus. It's, it's pretty interesting. So, um, suddenly all of her na- phones start ringing at, in that moment. <laughs> um, so all the phones are ringing, and it's a little bit strange she's like hello and no one's on the other end anyway so Constantine's standing in the rain drinking his cough medicine as one does and he sees a bunch of weird little creatures crawling creepy crawlies crawling around on the ground he crouches over and he's coughing and um, suddenly he he notices a crab crawling on his hand and it's LA yes you're at a gas station why would a crab be crawling on (laughs) you anyway someone says big ass ones on your feet it's insane. Uh, next to him, saying uh, he got a light, so he's reaching over for some, you know, handing him light, and it's actually no. Oh wait, was it the? He pulled out the little box he got from Beeman that oh, had the screech the beetle. beetle in it. The screech beetle. Because he, because he, he looked over and he saw what it was, and knew that it wasn't. Oh, he a was human. like mid coughing fit too. Yeah, so so. He, he grabs his little box with the beetle in it, the screaming beetle, which is apparently nails on a chalkboard for demons. For the. For the demons. Yeah. For the fallen. That's what he called it. For what Beeman called it. So suddenly there's a, grease, a gross kind of nasty demon made out of locusts, roaches, snakes, creepy crawlies, etc. And the demon says, mind your own business exorcist. And kind of tries, tries to kick his ass. Um, he, run, <laughs> he runs into the street and the entity is finally hit by a car and dissipates. So because of this weirdness, he goes to see Papa Midnight, a figure slash witch doctor that is not good or bad. He's a neutral party uh, in the balance between the devil and God. I feel like that's a generic Santa Claus. Papa Midnight. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, also real quick. So I don't know if there's a connection to this, but I, I thought I'm not a person that believes in any type of Zodiac nonsense. Like if you are, that's good for you. But... The crab. Only a Taurus would say that. I know you're a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. With okay. me, yeah. Um, so anyway, like he saw like this the crab that came across mm-hmm. him. Crab is a sign of cancer. Cancer. Mm-hmm. He has cancer. I don't know. I'm just saying. So yep. we'll... <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> So the club is full of glowy eyes. I just really nicely said, shut up, Victor. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty useless, but I I think it's funny. I think it's funny. Crab, cancer. So the club is full of uh, glowy eyed demons and also like half breeds. So people who are on good and bad. 
So I would say. I mean, some of them are turning water into wine. So so they're that's more true. than just half good. They're good. You know, they're on but the they light. They all have and to be the, half breeds. They are yep. half breeds because demons or angels can't in this universe. Demons and angels cannot cross over to the mortal plane, plane. Yeah, but there are half-breeds, such as Gabriel, which, you know, to me, Gabriel was an angel. Yeah, I don't know how good. all of a sudden Gabriel's a half-breed, you know, I, whatever it is, but they're all half-breeds. You're going to have to talk mm-hmm. to people about that on Monday. Yeah, I'll ask Yeah, we gotta, we gotta ask them on seniors about this shit. Yeah. So Constantine <laughs> tells... So um, <laughs> wait, where am I? I don't know. Oh, I'm just interrupting you. guys you. are interrupting care. me. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, can okay. I use this thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, we'll, so, we'll pause for a second. Let, let her pour the wine. Pour we, we don't need the viewers to listen to this. Viewers? <laughs> but I'm gonna leave it in. Because it's funny. It's my if narrator. If you don't leave it in, this is the sound of Meredith's wine aerator that dispenses... Directly from the bottle into my glass, which was perilously close to empty. But it comes out really slowly, so you have to make this noise for a long time. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> it does a job. It, it does. It does Eventually. a job. Eventually. It certainly spouts booze. It sure makes bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in the club, there's all the half-breeds. Uh, Poppy? Poppy? <laughs> nope. Papa Midnight comments that he can sense Constantine does not have much time left. And he also says that his is the one soul, presumably the devil, would come up here himself to collect. Constantine tells him about the weird stuff going on and that a demon just attacked attacked him out in the open air in the street. He also asks, I want to use the chair. But their exchange is interrupted by a half-breed named Balthazar, played by Gavin Rossdale randomly anyway okay see i thought i was like is that gavin russell but i was like don't say that out loud because that's stupid but it was was, yeah so he says um some stupid stuff to constantine about it was dumb and then he um he called him a machine head yeah i'm a machine head so then he um he's like hey i heard you're on your way down here and he's like shut up demi (laughs) no i don't know they they kind of have exchange words and Papa Midnight's like you can't fight in my house you have to leave and we have a meeting and you need to go so John coughs his way out of the club and he goes home so Angela shows up at his house for help and he she explains to him that um, you know Isabel her sister was was killed and she kind of gets her way inside of the house with uh, her police badge. She tells him she doesn't think that Isabel took her own life, that she was murdered. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy that your uh, committed sister took her own life. I yeah, died. People in mental institutions yeah, that's, kill that's themselves, nuts. Huh? He doesn't believe her at all. So then she tells him that right before she was committed, she started talking about demons and she was really paranoid. Um, but he basically tells her to jog on and describes that her sister is in agony in hell and she storms off. She's like, God damn you. And she leaves. But then he. She's like, God damn you, you handsome bastard. <laughs> I know, you sexy bitch. Anyway, so I gotta go. I gotta go. So she, he notices as she leaves that some shit's about to go down outside. Um, so a lot of f- flapping or whatever. So <laughs> can't, Constantine goes out to tell her. Highly irregular in LA. Yeah, he, he goes to tell her that there um, is a wager, God and the devil, between. Um, you know for souls and the slight influences that happen but basically they try to stay out of it and he she's like yeah I just tell you that that's like not a thing um, so then they're suddenly attacked and he she takes out her gun and he's like yeah that's not going to help you but I'm going to 
you know, in, in a way, he's like protects her. So Constantine knows exactly what's about to happen. Their demons are there, and they're gonna kind of they're trying to their goal. I think is to get Angela. Right. So, um, you know, he says, "Close your eyes," and she, but she doesn't. He's like, "All right, suit yourself," and he uses some kind of weapon. Was it Moses? Moses's shroud. His shroud. Moses's shroud um, to basically incinerate all of the this un like huge. I guess flock, flock of demons <laughs> yeah. kind of coming out of them. At uh, them. A murder of demons, yeah. if you will. So, and then of course, she, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's the shroud Moses wore, and when you light it, it apparently kills. It's highly flammable. Demons. Yeah, yeah. He, he lights it, and it immediately went crazy material. light stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, then she Angela vomits, and he's like, "Yeah, that that always happens the first time." Uh, <laughs> it's the he, sulfur. He's like, "It's the sulfur," and they're attacked by demons. She's like, "What was that?" And he's like, "I don't think they were after me." So yeah. something is going on. So um, there's only one way to be sure, and he um, he wants to go see though if Isabel is in hell, like Angela is claiming. She's like, she didn't kill herself. She was murdered. And he's like, I got to go look for myself. So she fills a basin. They go back to her place, as you do when you're trying to figure out what's going on in hell. Or when you're trying to hook up with Keanu. Yeah. You're like, hey, baby. Oh, no, I guess we got to house. I got a house. basin of water you can put your feet in. Here, hold this cat. Here's a turkey basting up, um, bin. <laughs> it's a Dutch oven. <laughs> it's a Dutch oven. <laughs> So she fills the basin with water and places it in front of the chair, and he takes a hold of her cat. His Isabel's name is cat. Duck. Yeah. And he puts his feet in the basin of water. He asks Angela to leave the apartment, and then he proceeds to go to hell, where he finds Isabel. And time stops. And ta- time does yeah. stop. Um, as he's pursued by demons, he gets her me- medical bracelet, and he uses a vial of holy water from the River Jordan to get out of hell, as all of these soldier demons are basically trying to rip him apart. Um, he arrives back. He's all steamy. Um and, and like one second has happened. Yeah, one second's time. happened, and she's but like, like what, "What the hell?" Five minutes has happened in hell. Yeah, he's. She's like, "What the fuck happening?" Um, and he's like, "I'm. First of all, I'm starving. I have to get some food in me. You are also a twin, and she, she could have told she's me. in Isabel's in hell. Yeah, so she did kill she herself. Killed, she took her own life. In hell. And she's like, "How did that? How is this possible?" So then at the morgue, Father Hennessy goes to check it and on Isabel's body because he heard that um, calling out from the articles. He, he was listening to the ether and went to go figure out what's going on. And then he sees a mark on her arm and he runs out and kind of in, he was caught in the morgue and he goes and runs into a liquor store. He pulls so, pours all this booze into his mouth, but it feel, it looks like nothing or he's perceiving nothing is going into his mouth. And then he proceeds to just pour and pour and pour and pour all this um, bo- booze bottles into his into his mouth. Balth- Balthazar is there and he's watching and he has a little smirk on his face as Father Hennessy carves a symbol into his hand and he drowns in under a minute um, on the floor. So then over dinner, Constantine tells Angela about the things that he saw when he was growing up that terrified him and eventually caused him to take his own life. And then he tells Angela about the half-breeds and the influencers on Earth. He looks for half-breeds that are breaking the rules and he deports them back to hell. His hope is to buy his way back into heaven. But because of the life he took, his own life, he is destined to go to hell. Um, So then Angel... Hold on. Angela typo. Mm-hmm. 
Angela begins to tell John that, you know, Isabel saw things too when they were younger, but then their conversation is cut short by a call about Father Hennessy because she is, after all, a police, uh, like a detective. So he go, they go to where Father Hennessy has died, and um, he takes the uh, necklace slash protection amulet that Father Hennessy was was wearing in the, until he took it off. And he sees the symbol that was carved into um, Father Hennessy's hand, and he calls Beeman, he kind of you know, the researcher slash procurer of demon fighting tools to look into the symbol. The next day, they go to the place where Isabel took her own life, which is the hospital. And the room where Isabel lived, John urges Angela to look for anything that Isabel would be able to find that no one else would be able to. So um, after some cajoling and Angela being super dramatic about it, she I like... I call that cajoling. He like he's screamed like, at her, he's what like, do you know? What do you know? Do you like, know? Like, like 10 times. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, very. Anyway, <laughs> she manages to find a little place on the window where she like breathes her hot air and then see, she, cause she's like, <laughs> you know, she does um, her Lamaze onto the window. She's like, <laughs> on the window and finds some, a message from her sister, yeah. Isabel, that was, um, a verse from the Bible, but the Bible from hell. And it talks about the son of the devil coming back. And uh, they call Beeman and they tell him about this stuff. And then he um, gives them basically more information about this. A, pair of, a powerful psychic that must be possessed. And they also need divine assistance to make um, the son of the devil cross over. Which yeah, so seems God has to help them. God has to help. And so they're then, like, and that seems like a pretty heck? good guarantee that this will never happen. Because why would God help the, the son, son of, of the, the devil, devil come to earth? Come to, yeah. So then at this point, something shows up to attack Beeman. Something, something's going on. He's like, he tells Constantine, like, I know you don't have a lot of faith, but we have a lot of faith in you. Yeah. And then the line cuts. And then kablooey. Yeah. Then... They rush over to find a dead beam, and he's covered in insects. They um, check. So back with the spear situation, at a rest stop, we see a, a possessed Manuel. He runs over to a guy who's looking stupid and pretentious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's just a guy living Definitely his life. Definitely had it coming. Um, at the rest stop. And he stole his car and is driving and the sign says Los Angeles. Um, I think it was like a little over hundred miles. Or yeah, something. over a hundred miles. So, you know, he's on his way after seeing this stuff. Angela admits that she saw, saw stuff also, but she wouldn't admit it. And then she portrayed her sister and abandoned her because she was like, Isabel was like, don't tell them you see it too. Yeah, tell like, them. Back me up. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then eventually she stopped seeing it. Mm-hmm. So then she decides I'm going to, let myself kind of fully be open to this again because she kind of shut herself off yeah and so by putting herself back into this um she'll be able to see um kind of be more you know seeing the same stuff that her sister saw so she decides to go to hell and then to see everything for herself she goes into the bath and john holds her under the water and then she tries to get up but he won't let her. And they, she thrashes and he just holds her down and lets her drown. But And suddenly the bathtub explodes and she's steaming all over, um, which signifies that she was in hell herself. Yeah. And she's horrified. She's like, oh my God, all those people. And suddenly she's able to sort of receive messages or feel like what's going on around her again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she realizes that... Um, 
there was a coin left by somebody. She goes to find it, and it was the coin left by Balthazar. So it's him. He's kind of behind this. So Constantine goes to get his weapons together to deport Balthazar back to hell because he's really fucking up. There's He's doing stuff he shouldn't be. So he leaves Angela in the car after they drive to where the building where Balthazar presumably is. She he she receives his um, father Hennessy's necklace as protection, and of course she takes it off and leaves <laughs> to She's go. Like, Ugh, to then go, leave yeah, me in the car to go fo- follow. Um, you know John. So they um, John and Balthazar they fight for a little bit. Balthazar looks really gross and slimy. John starts reading um, his last rites. To get him to talk, and then he does. And he tells Constantine that they need a spear to bring back the son of the devil into this world. And um, Angela and Constantine start, you know, and then he kind of kills him. And he's like, see ya, whatever. Um, Angela and Constantine. <laughs> Smell you later. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, he just sort of like casual. Is like, he's like, You're, I, I, you, you delivered the psychic right to him. He's like, yeah, okay, you're dead. She's anyway, boring. let's go. So they start to walk back and um, they're almost to the elevators and suddenly, and they're talking a little bit about what's going to happen. Um, Balthazar is serving somebody and we just don't really know who it is. We saw, we see someone in the shadows a little bit later kind of approaching and he's like, I did what you asked and, um, you know, please res- resurrect me, but whoever it is doesn't. Um So then before Angela and Constantine can get to the elevator, she's pulled, I said, through the building walls like a rag doll yep. and whisked away. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Constantine goes back to Papa Midnight to see, you know, what's going on. Midnight's not happy. And Constantine has to beg him. He's like, please, you know, you have to help me. This is consider this a last request. Was well, he the- holding a gun on him? Yeah, he no. had a he had a gun. No, Constantine came in. He, yeah, sh- he, he shut was, the door oh, yeah. open. Yeah, and then Papa Midnight was like, yeah, and then he like held him. him up with his fingers and like burned into his guts with his yeah. fingers. So he's like, "This is the last request, please." And then finally, he, he and he's like, "You're the only one still playing by the rules. Beeman's dead, and Father Hennessy's dead, and these are people that you can used to consider your friends, mm-hmm. and something is happening. Yeah, so I need your help." So finally, he relents, and then he um lets him use a chair, which happens to be an electric chair that was used in Sing Sing. So they put John's feet in a puddle. He goes to sit in the chair and uh, Papa Midnight electrocutes Constantine and then he's able to see what has been tra- transpiring with the possessed manual and the the um, spear. So, um... Real quick. Na- so, yes. That, <laughs> yes. Chair, that chair was at Sing Sing Prison in New York State that killed 614 different inmates. That's a lot. That is a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's what that chair is all about. Right. Yeah, souls, they they said souls traveled through it. Yes, Mm -hmm. many souls. Mm -hmm. So they can use it as like a conduit. Yes. In between the different realms. Mm -hmm. Right. So then Constantine's kind of all caught up. And be like, I know what, where the fuck to go. I know what's going on with with his spear. And so he goes to um, save Angela. And Chaz is like, I, I want to go too. I want to help. I can help by, um, you know, putting, making the uh, fire system, you know, holy water. It will help fight those um, demons that are there waiting for you. Um, so they, they decide to leave. So 
she is suddenly dropped into a pool, she being Angela, uh, where Isabel had died. And in the pool, out pops a possessed Manuel, who she shoots many times, but he's not really even affected by it. Um, so Chaz, you know, like I said, he manages to put a cross into the holy spring into the water and make it holy water sprinkler uh, <laughs> tank and John goes into the room full of demons and he's like I'm going to deport you you know prepare to die basically um, they're, yeah and they're all sprayed by holy water which kind of makes them vulnerable and then he fights his way to Angela as she's being held under the water until she is in hell unapproached by the son of the devil then she's fully possessed by the son of the devil and Constantine and Chaz they hold her down and try to exercise her she seems to be back in her body at some point and she starts um, you know, flipping out because the devil's son is trying to come out of her her stomach, kind of alien style. And she's like, get it out, get it out! It's, it's really crazy. So then Chaz starts praying in Latin, and it seems to work for a second until Chaz just smashed around. In my note, said, aw, sad. Anyway. <laughs> Constantine is not pleased. He starts saying, into the light, I command thee, into the light, I command me, command thee, as he puts his tattooed forearms together. Yeah, um, didn't that kind of look like the Deathly Hallows? Sort of, but it's in the comics. It's like kind of a power he has, but he doesn't really resort to it um, very often, I don't think. I think it's just when there's an invisible demon. Yeah. It's like a last resort kind of thing. So he's not a wizard. No. No. He doesn't have a wand. Mm. Oh, he's got (laughs) a wand. Well, that's a different kind of wand, Katie. Calm down. (laughs) So, where was I? So Chaz had died. Anyway, so he got the. Light. He says, Did you just the- breeze over Chaz dying? Yeah. I mean, who, who's I ever said sad it. about Shia LaBeouf dying? Me. I said it. Yeah. He got thrown up and I down. I like Shia LaBeouf. Me too, actually. Get out. Well, it's my house. I'm he not got thrown up and down. I, we'll, I we'll already said leave. it. He got thrown up and down and he he died. Yeah. So, you know, and Constantine's really upset about this. So he's like... He starts. Oh, my protege. He's summoning light. My protege that I don't care about that was gone for half the movie. And they always made him drive My me. little white short round. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gabriel suddenly appears. And he is the mastermind of all of this. Gabriel thinks that the mankind must rise to the challenge of hell on earth. Um, and those that survive and rise above will deserve all of God's love. And he's like, you're fucking crazy. I mean, that's really my classroom strategy, right? <laughs> and I was like, you know, you guys are all little shits. The only time you, you do well is when you suffer. So... My job as your teacher is to provide the suffering to inspire you to rise above. I really hope that none of the parents or employees of the school listen to this podcast. Well, yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> hey, they, 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 those kids that have asked me um, for the what it's called, and I, I don't tell them. But There was one. Um, I told her that I would tell her after she graduated, and she's okay. still in seventh grade. The gotcha. only loophole that might come back to bite me is that my son's ex-girlfriend um, follows the Instagram account mm. for the podcast. So she knows the title, and her younger sister still goes there. She's Uh-oh. in eighth grade this year. Everything you're saying your is co-worker. in jest. <laughs> yeah, but and your coworker. Uh, yeah, but that that wouldn't it wouldn't come from that. Hopefully he doesn't betray you. Nah. You never know. <laughs> There's okay. a, there's always a Judas. Can I finish this? <laughs> Speaking of sorry, rel- Meredith. Religion. Yeah, we love you, babe. I'm sorry. Shut up, Demi. No. Okay. <laughs> yes, dear. Okay, so 
Constantine's like, you're crazy. He's like, you can't. What the fuck are you talking about? Literally, uh, Gabriel blows off Constantine and he flies off into the um, glass doors and the glass smashes. And um, Gabriel goes... When you say that, he he blows him as in like... He blows him off. He's like... Blew him off yeah, with but his blowing breath. somebody off is a little different, I think, yeah, he, in the context. He didn't go like peace and like. Yeah, no, he literally no, he blew like blew the wind to destroy him. He broke wind. He yeah. with his it face blew his face off. Exactly. <laughs> he blew over. So <laughs> the he's kind of knocked out on the he's ground. Up. There's yeah, there's glass everywhere. It's not good. And then he um, Gabriel goes to cut out the devil's son out of Angela, Constantine. Finally, he's like, he takes matters into his own hands. He's, he kind of pleads out to God a little bit. He's like, I know I'm not your, you know, your most favorite, but I could little, use a little help there. And then nothing really happens. And then he decides to take his own life again and slit his wrists. And he's waiting. He's like, hurry up. Uh, Gabriel is about to cut out his, uh, put here, the demon baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then time suddenly sort of stops. Because Constantine has died and Lucifer has finally arrived to collect his soul. Lucifer says he didn't think Constantine would make that same mistake twice. And he's like, and you didn't, did you? Constantine tells Lucifer that Gabriel is there with the Spear of Destiny and his son. And Lucifer is pretty pissed. Do you know what your son is doing right now? You didn't even say who Lucifer is. That guy. The guy from Fargo. Peter Stromar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Stromer? Stromar? I don't know. I don't know, but he's awesome. He's so, amazing. But, you know, he's like, boys will be boys. And he's like, your, your son, you know, what he's up to. And then he's like, he's hanging out with Gabriel. And he's like, ew, no counting for taste. And he's like, they've got the Spear of Destiny. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, what did the wait, fuck did sorry, you what say? what the fuck you say? So he's like, go look. You know, you've been waiting 20 years to come and collect my soul. What's another, you know, 20 seconds? So fine. He's like, all right, fine. So he goes to check. And he sees that... um you know, Lucifer's, you know, or Gabriel's right there with the Spear of Destiny, and he's about to cut out his his son. So he decides to swoop in. He picks up Angela. He grabs his son and sends him right back to hell. And upon learning that God doesn't have um, Gabriel's back anymore, um, Lucifer is able to burn up his wings. He returns to Constantine, and John asks Lucifer to give Isabel... Um, you know, reprieve from her sentence. Cause he's like, yeah, what do you want? An extension? Kind of like a weird. And he's like, no, the, the sister, the sister, Isabel. Um, yeah, I wanted a letter to go home. He's like, ah, all right, fine. It's done. And he's like, all right, time to take you. And he's like, like very whistle while you work. I'm going to take, take John and take him to hell. So he's sort of, um, taking him, but suddenly the, ground starts to kind of buckle and he's not able to pull him anymore and there's a big bright light as John is being summoned into heaven and Lucifer kind of says ah the sacrifice like ah farts yeah and he's like no and then John starts to shoot Lucifer the bird (laughs) and um, he's like no no this soul is mine and he pulls John back and pulls the cancer out of his chest and says no you're going to live and in time I will end up, you'll end up coming to hell. Yeah, basically by like keeping him on earth and letting him continue to live, he's confident that 
John will do things that will and getting get himself damned again anyway. Maybe yeah. maybe like premarital sex with Angela. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't go to hell for that? <laughs> I would. <laughs> so, it's almost the end, boys and girls. Um <laughs> So at Boys this girls, point, get down off the table. Get off the it's table. Almost, it's almost the end of the story. <laughs> so now Gabriel is human, and she's like, "Don't you want to shoot me, John? Are you just so mad at me?" And he um, just punches her in the face, and yep. she's like, "Ah!" Like first time for having pain. He's like, "That's pain. Get used to it." And she's like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, and she's kind of left there. She's been made human, and then he and Angela leave. And the later, sometime later, Angela and Constantine are on the roof. Um, he gives Angela the Spear of Destiny. He's like, hide this. Don't let anyone know where it is. Um, he's like, I have th- some things to do. And she's like, thanks kind of for everything. And then they part ways. And then, post-credits, post-credit um, John goes to visit Chaz's, um, his Great. tombstone. And out, he's like, you know, you were you did good, kid. And then he sees a, a, a winged Chaz who looks at him with a, a little creepy, yeah, a little creepy a little face and flies off. As an angel. As, As an, an angel. angel. And that's the end of Constantine. <laughs> well done. The end. I'm done. <laughs> Do you think it was scary, Katie? Um, no. Uh, I think it falls into the same category, like we just said, with Devil's Advocate, where it's not it's not a horror movie. Um, this one, like where Devil's Advocate was maybe a drama with horror elements. This one, I feel like was like almost an action with horror elements. Um, the difference is that like uh, with Devil's Advocate, and I didn't mention this, um, before, but like the, at least the visuals where they were seeing demons, I felt that that part was actually scary visually. Um, with this movie, I didn't feel like there was any elements that you could even kind of describe as scary but that wasn't the you don't goal. think the soldier demons looked kind of scary no because it was i mean it, it was early cgi mm. um and they you know i don't know they looked to me i don't know they, yeah they just didn't think that they looked very scary they look like Gollum, um but, <laughs> With but half a skull not not a good Gollum. Um, yeah, and that's just the thing. We've seen we've seen so much better work done visually with demonic creatures, things like that. That something like this, comparatively, and I should mention that you know Tom and I watched this this afternoon with Meredith and Victor for the first time. We had never seen this movie, so um, if you know if I had seen it when it came out, my perception in two thousand five might have been different. But seeing it now, um, I didn't. I thought the effects were good. Um, but they weren't, I didn't think that they were scary. Um, I did think that it was, uh, like a a fairly entertaining story. And again, just using that structure of angels, demons, God, the church, relics, uh, biblical history, all that stuff. And just, um, you know, trying to find a story to tell in there, um, was pretty entertaining, but no, it's, it's not scary. But did you think it was scary, Victor? Uh, I mean, I think there were definitely, like, scary-ish parts. Not, like, to me, necessarily, but mm-hmm. in general. Like, a three-year-old might find them scary? Uh, I mean, <laughs> even, like, a preteen, maybe? Maybe a teenager? Yeah. For example, what would you cite as one of the scary scenes? Uh, probably pulling the soldier demon out of the girl. Okay, the exorcism at the that very little, beginning. That was a little scary. Okay. Um, you know, with the with the girl speaking demonic languages and... 
the demon going into the mirror and trying to like put punch its way out of the mm-hmm. of the mirror. Yeah, that, that, I think that was a little scary. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. It's more an action movie with some horror elements to it. Um, but you know, saying that, I, I very much enjoy the movie. I think it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Keanu in, in most of his works, and this is definitely near the top for me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Uh, I, I, I like... I, I wouldn't say this is like a sci-fi, but to me it's like a fantasy almost Yeah. movie. I think that's fair. And I love sci-fi, or I love sci-fi and fantasy, and even really bad sci-fi and fantasy movies <laughs> I'm very much in love with. Um, and He's this not one, wrong. Yeah, no, I'm definitely no, I'm definitely not wrong. I, I really love really terrible movies. Um, I don't think this is one of those like terrible movies. I think it's a great movie, and I, I'm very much excited for the prospect of a Constantine two. Um, so yeah, what about you, Ben? What did you think? I mean, I always love this movie. This is one of my favorites. I mean, as in the you know action. I don't think it's like elevated horror. Right. But I think it's one of those where it's like it's fun. There's some scary parts. Um, But I think always, always what it comes down to is the beginning scene where he exercises the demon from that little girl. Mm -hmm. I love that scene. But also the part where he he goes to talk to. um, I mean, that this is also like one of the other parts I like, too, is when he goes to talk to Gabriel and she like explained to him basically how it works <laughs> and how and she's how fucked. fucked. <laughs> yeah, because I really love Tilda Swinton and I like basically a very frank conversation that they had about it. And he's like, well, can I just, you know, do this thing? And she's like, nah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you're you're screwed and you're self-serving. And he is, mm-hmm. you know, um. So, like, everything he does is for selfish reasons and for his own gain. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not really in it to help people, um, you know. And I think that also sometimes is an element you see in other horror movies, too. Like in um, The Conjuring, for example. We know that in real life they are charlatans, yeah. right? But that the characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren are to help people and to be of service. Mm-hmm. And that's not him. And But I think the scene that I always love so much is his scene with uh, Constantine and Lucifer yeah. and that exchange and him being like what what's going on <laughs> you know <laughs> what the fuck did you do you killed yourself again but there's uh, probably something else mm-hmm. going on and I also really love that actor too yeah. um, so it's and it's just one of my favorites I relish it it's one of my it's it's really a good one. I, I'm excited to share with, with my kids at some point. So yeah, I think that 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 scene was really humorous, and I think that maybe that's part of we we've talked about um, other movies and other directors that use um, humor really strategically in horror movies to break the tension and allow um, you know for your to reset your your emotional state to be react ready to react to the next thing that they're going to do with the story. Um, but in, in this one, I feel like, like, for example, that opening scene when he exercises the little girl, like, you're right, it has the setting from the get-go of being 
very off-putting, very scary, especially the mom going in and seeing the girl initially, yeah. and it's just right out of the blue. Like, it jumps right in. But then you have the moment where he punches the demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, even the point when he whispers to the demon, I'm John Constantine, asshole. And so there's, like, those... Um, I don't know if you'd call them comedic or if they're kind of action cliches, like the the catchphrases or the one-liners that you see in a lot of action movies, um, that even that first scene that is, you know, has the potential to be really scary is a little bit derailed in that effort to be scary by those other elements that are more congruous with the, the genre that the movie actually is, as opposed to horror. Mm-hmm. I think some of it, though, is John just have zero has zero fucks yeah. anymore. Yeah. He's like, I'm I'm John fucking Constantine. Yeah, I've been doing this for 20 shit. fucking yeah. years. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. So I think that a lot of it is him too. Basically like not kind of, there's no trepidation. There's mm-hmm. like no him being like, oh no. He's like, fuck you. Get the fuck well, out yeah, of this So girl. then we as the viewer are going to be scared because our, right. our hero here is not frightened. Exactly. You know, he's like just flipping the bird to everybody in this whole process. Mm-hmm. And, um, is just very like jaded and and not intimidated or not thrown off by any of this. And so like, you know, that kind of leads the viewer to to view it in a different way too whereas like in in other, you know, exorcism scenes in other movies that are actually truly horror, like that's not the vibe you're getting from the exorcists in those movies. Like they recognize the real threat, the real danger, like even if they aren't visibly or um afraid, they're they're projecting a different attitude toward the situation that would then make the viewer look at it differently. Yeah. I, I think also one of the s- scarier parts was like finding Beeman with all the flies all over him. Like that was, that was pretty, pretty gnarly. Like in a fly that like it showed like a fly, fly coming, coming out, out of his, his eye. eye. And then like the next scene you see is them finding him with just like flies covering his body. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah, but I yeah I just I still didn't think it was scary. What about you, Tom? Not scary. No. <laughs> no. And I think like what you were talking about, it it suffers some. One of the things I sometimes get annoyed with is movies that can't decide if they want to be funny or not. Mm-hmm. Like I half expected Morgan Freeman to show up as God at the end. <laughs> that would have been or, amazing. Or Alanis Morissette. Sure, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, when the when the nihilist from Big Lebowski was the devil, I was like, all right, fine. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> but again, like him, like you you mentioned how he he's flipping off Lucifer as right. he's being pulled up into heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's that that cheeky yeah. humor element that doesn't you know obviously their goal wasn't to be scary otherwise they right. would not have included those elements. Oh, definitely. And then also Lucifer is like, boys will be boys. Yeah. So we're like, oh, there's no accounting for taste yeah. with But it, But I agree with you. <laughs> with that Gabriel. was like probably the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. The most like entertaining. Like you were just like, oh, my God, what's he going to say next? What's he going to no. do? What's going to happen? Um, but it wasn't. But it was it was funny. It was it was comedic. Yep. I love that scene so much. Yeah. One of my favorites. So yeah, so. I think that this is a good one. And it's it's interesting too that these two <laughs> like are kind of at a midpoint of Keanu's career. You know, like you've this early stuff, you know, like Bill and There's Ted Speed. and Speed and Speed was and a huge breakout and after being a teenager. Dracula. And Bram Stoner, Stoker's Dracula. And then you have like, you know, the later part of his career, like the John Wick era, if you will. 
Um, and then this was all kind of a lead up to um, to Matrix. Although it, it kind of no, Matrix, Matrix came is in out between. Of well, yeah, I was saying yeah. the but the whole trilogy, the second, yeah. the later ones. Um, at least the last one would have come out after Constantine, wouldn't it? Or did they all come out before two thousand five? I think all of them came out before two thousand five. It was ninety nine, yeah, two thousand one, out... and oh three. I think. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, so this was like that that kind of like middle nugget of his career where I feel like he was getting more legitimate and a little less silly seeming. It's pre John mm-hmm. Wick, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so but like, like we were talking about years. the the difference mm-hmm. between um uh the devil's ad his character in the devil's advocate and his character in this. Mm-hmm. Like there's definitely a change in his style his performance like the what he's projecting on screen mm-hmm. um from like the the early career keanu to you know where where he kind of ended up as a performer um but it, it is it's fun to see you know like y- like younger, younger the evolution of keanu the evolution high is changing mm-hmm. yeah yeah what a great man he's, i love just him just in general yeah and he's we, fantastic uh, we didn't realize it i think at first and a lot of people didn't want to take him seriously there were naysayers. Well, that's because of Ted, Bill and Ted's, I think. But it even that, like his his characters in the movies after Bill and Ted, um, I mean, I wouldn't say that he was like entirely marred by that character, but he was still his performances weren't such that you were like, oh, he's actually a gifted film star. Like it took him a while to get there. Oh yeah. It wasn't yeah. just shedding the Bill and Ted like shadow, but it was also him like coming into his own. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I mean he was in Parenthood as like the ditzy boyfriend, mm-hmm. and um, Bill and Ted, and then what was it like River's Edge? Yeah. He plays kind of like a guy in a friend group, and one. Have you ever seen River's Edge? Yeah. Um, it came in the late '80s, and it was like about a friend group, and one of their friends kills his girlfriend, and they are trying to kind of keep it up um, under wraps. And as Keanu, Crispin Glover, and some other people you might recognize. Oh, you hate Crispin Glover. I freaking hate him. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just how I feel. <laughs> no, I remember a movie he made, uh, Chain Reaction, with Morgan Freeman. Uh-huh. I remember seeing that in I the theater. That. And that was Crispin like, Glover? Or, no, no, no. Uh, Keanu. Keanu Reeves. I'm not going to keep talking about Crispin Glover. Ugh. I've made that mistake before. I'm like, shh. <laughs> I don't want to hear you bring him up in this house. This is like saying Voldemort in my house. Get out of here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think both of these are great movies. I would say I like Devil's Advocate better, but I also like don't have an emotional connection with Constantine having seen it for the first time today. Um, But yeah, they're both fun. I don't even as someone that knows all about Catholicism. Yeah, you think a knowledge of Catholicism would make you more endeared to a Catholic-themed film? Yeah. Yeah, It makes it worse. Yeah, it kind of makes it worse. I mean, as as a former Catholic (laughs) for a very long time, I I love Constantine. Yeah. I loved it. But you like action. I like action, too. I like action, too. I would say you're not a fantasy person. No, I'm not. Well, but I mean, I, I like Lord of the Rings. Um. <laughs> I didn't know that. Have you seen all the extendeds? Mm. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Tom, yeah. get your negativity little sigh out of here. Okay, they're fantastic. You don't want to commit 75 hours to watching. It's just 12 um, hours for three movies. an entire 12 universe. 12 hours of people walking. 
<laughs> yeah, but a lot of shit goes down while they're walking. No, his favorite is the part it, it clerk Clerks too. Clerks too when clerks when too. they're he's mocking the trilogy because he's like, There's only yeah. one oh, trilogy. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not the best part, but it's a funny part. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, and I, I do I love action movies. I also like fantasy. Um the genre wouldn't be um my issue with Constantine. I think that the only thing the thing that maybe kept me from liking it more was the pacing. Mm. Um, it felt it felt kind of slow at some points to me. Um, but again, like seeing it for the first time, no emotional attachment to it whatsoever. Um, I just I, I prefer. Well, here's a real question: Would you go see Constantine two in a theater where you had to pay? Um, Do we get alcohol? Are we going for if your we go birthday? To that, yeah, we'll say yes. I would go if I would go with you too, knowing your attachment to this movie, so that I would be able to speak on it educatedly. I'll take that. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> Tom and I will not be going to see it in the theater together, just the two of us on our own. Well, you should rethink everything about yourselves. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. Are you guys ready anyway. for my fun facts? Oh Jesus. Oh. Yeah. You know what, Katie? I don't appreciate your negativity towards no, my fun facts. No, I'm just thinking about the, the time. Like we're you know what? If the people have listened this far, they're going to keep listening. That's fair. All right. So, you know, similar to my devil's advocate uh, little fun facts, which this isn't really one, but my favorite part of the movie is obviously Rachel Wise. Duh. So um, we don't get any nudity. I mean, we got I don't the white tank top. It gets wet and, and she's got a bra under it. So I saw Mummy. I saw Mummy before I saw this. Yeah. Oh no, I love. And the mummy I love movies. Rachel Weisz from yes. that. And I already had a hard on for her mm-hmm. in the Mummy. So and yet, seeing somehow, her again, you thought she had retired from acting. Decades I know. Ago, I, I didn't. Uh, and we. She did a lot of voice acting and stuff, so I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. You don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> anyway, looked, realistically, I I was like, nah. realistically, <laughs> my favorite scenes were like you both mentioned the ones with peter stromar lucifer Mm -hmm. like that was a fan that like that whole last like what 15 minutes Mm -hmm. was fantastic i think i think honestly like i already liked the movie but that made the movie you know what i mean um it's important to finish strong i've heard it really is it really is uh (laughs) that is what she said tom that is what she said um and so so here's the thing with with chaz Right, Shia LaBeouf's character. So, I I had read that there was a lot of other scenes with him, but a lot of them were cut, which is why he kind of, which is kind of why, you know, after twenty minutes in, you don't really see him. Yeah, he kind of disappears for like almost an hour. Yeah, because like Rachel Weisz's character is driving him around to different okay, places. So he doesn't need so, a like, anymore. Yeah, he doesn't need a chauffeur anymore. But he was in a lot of those scenes. They just cut him out for whatever reason, but. I think one of the one of the reasons, like I read this and I believe it, is Papa Midnight prayed over Chaz's character. Yeah. Right. He he did his little prayer before they went into the the den of demons, and then Papa Midnight tried to pray over Keanu's character, mm-hmm. Constantine. And Constantine was like, you're fucking joking me right now. And he just left. Mm-hmm. So he didn't technically get prayed over, even though Papa Midnight finished the prayer. But he wasn't there anymore. So who fucking cares? And then Chaz died, and Constantine didn't. So maybe Papa Midnight's prayer 
actually maybe murdered Chaz. Maybe he murdered Chaz. Who knows? Yeah, I don't uh, think so. Maybe it backfired yeah. a little bit. Um, so here's another fun one, which I didn't realize until I read this on the internet, is that Constantine smoked 13 cigarettes during the course of the movie. Only 13? Only 13. Seems like more. It did, but it was exactly 13. And that is... a is, wicked number. Well, in Western culture, it is a very wicked number. Mm-hmm. But in Eastern culture, including Italian, France, French, China, it's a, it's a lucky number. Hmm. 13. I didn't know that. Whatever you say, boss. Yeah. Well, well, I'm here to provide you for all the lovely insight <laughs> that you that you need in your life. Um, also, the name Father Hennessy. Mm-hmm. What well, he was named after? How aptly named is that for an alcoholic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fun one. Um, so there's a lot of differences between this movie and the show, and this movie and the comics, which it is based off of. Um, in the books. It's he doesn't he doesn't he's not damned to hell because of him trying to take his own life. He never tried to take his own life in the actual comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his constant sinning and choices that put his soul on like a one way course to hell. Um, also, Constantine is from Liverpool, England. What, what do you mean? Not from America. Oh, okay. So he has a British accent in the comics and in the show. How do you have an accent in a comic book? Uh, by saying by saying from someplace and then and then yeah and then saying things like you know um, in it yeah yeah in it yeah exactly things like that I love the Beatles (laughs) (laughs) Um, spotted dick anyone (laughs) but uh, but the producers didn't go for or not the producers but the 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 you know the money people. They like, seen yeah. to an accent already. We already saw yeah. that in Dracula. How much did you spend? Oh no, that I, 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 I put it in here. So they didn't go forward with it because of. So there was two. There were two. There's two camps online, okay, of people that didn't think that it was that he didn't have an accent because of X reason. One of them being they fucking listened to his accent in fucking Bram Stoker's act in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And they were embarrassed for him because it was terrible. <laughs> and then the other camp was that um, that he it was changed from British to American because the studio fit these the the studio heads wouldn't back the movie unless he was American. I can believe that in the early two thousands. Yeah, because they're you know well, maybe, they're like we want it set in L A. Yeah, we want it set in L A. Whatever the case is, in L A. That was born anywhere else. Definitely not. Um, so, you know, who knows what the reason was, but either way, I think it's funny. Yeah. It was a good call. Definitely a good call not to have Keanu. I, I full, I, yeah. you know, after loving Ram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Even though Keanu me fucked no. up his shit. Mina. Um, I have anyway. to go do some real estate. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> if, you're if you're listening, Keanu, I love you so much. You're amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm just jo- I'm just joshing. <laughs> also, the film was originally greenlit to star Nicolas Cage oh, as Constantine. Oh. oh no! I know how you feel about him. I, I love Nicolas Cage, I love but no, Nicolas no. Cage. how I feel about him. How do yeah. I feel about him? That you're not really like a big fan. No, um, that's Tom, not true. What VHS collection did I have when you met yeah, me? Yeah, Con Air and 
She's the, a huge the right, Nicholas, I'm a huge Nicholas Nick Cage. Cage fan. Really? Yeah. Face Off is yeah. like one of my favorite. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. Yeah. I, I didn't know that I could like you even more, yeah. Katie. Yeah. Um, so I'm just interested. I'm, I'm wondering like what exchanges we've had in the time we've known each other that led you to think the opposite. Didn't you not like Renfield at all? No, no, I liked you liked it. She liked it. She thought it was really funny. Who yeah. did we go with that didn't like it? Probably me. <laughs> oh, it was probably it was probably Meredith. My my bad, Katie. Okay, my bad. Katie yeah, was like, that no, was delightful. Um, I love Nicholas oh, Cage. Moonstruck, man, Moonstruck. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I liked the Cage, and I, I to be fair, I did actually like Renfield. I thought it was funny yeah. and and it was really, funny. really fun. Anyway, yeah. so it was originally greenlit for Nicholas Cage, but also the two other people that were considered for it were Mel Gibson and Kevin Spacey. No, no and no. I no agree. Fat no. I agree. I mean, it could have been the Catholics against the Jews if uh, Mel Gibson did it. Oh, uh, yeah. That could have been it. That could have been it. Um, also, here's a, here's a fun fact for all you uh, Peter Stromer fans who played oh. Lucifer in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So he actually came up with his own costume design for Lucifer. I love that. <laughs> It, you know, the off-white linen white, suit yeah, his eyebrows with the and a tar white suit. dripping down from his bare feet. Um, however, the producers and the director had originally wanted leather pants, bare-chested, a dog collar with spikes, oh my and, God. and tattoos all over so his body. Cliche. Exactly. But Peter Stromer was like, hey, fucking idiots. You know what would like be really good? I want to look like an evangelical preacher. Yeah, I want to look like a fucking, like, I was an angel. Yeah. And I have tar dripping from me because I'm fucking evil as shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. That was smart. I think yeah. that was, like, the best call was for them to yeah. fucking listen to him. Yeah. And take his, you know, advice under advisement. Mm-hmm. Because I think it was perfect. Yeah, and I love how he's like doing footsie with Constantine. Yeah, he's like fucking putting his little little big toe like near his fucking crotch, being like, "Hey, baby, I can't wait to torture the fuck out of you." Yeah, he really made you kind of be like, "Maybe hell's not that bad if this guy's in charge." I know, I know. He's like, "I got a whole amusement park full of red delights for you." Exactly. Oh my god! Why? I mean, overall, like, I, I I love this movie. And Meredith, I found out, like, probably over a year into our relationship that you really like this movie. Yeah, and I think we it's wa- really fun. we watched it a few times, and then the other day we watched it again for you to do your recap, and then we watched it again today for, for Tom and Katie to see it for the first time, and I just love this movie, and I'm very excited for Keanu to come back for Constantine 2. I'm assuming they'll do it, like, 20 years in the future from whenever this happened. Yep, it's supposed to be... He's an older, more weathered Constantine. Well, that sounds I, about right. I, I, I will yep. say one thing is I really hope Rachel Weiss comes back and and you I don't know. know. I mean, she's been retired woman. for like what ten years now? <laughs> at least. Yeah, apparently. But also another According fun fact. <laughs> yeah, an, another fun Who fact. Is he, what's she even doing? Originally, so in the comics, he actually has a love interest that isn't Rachel Weiss, and it's a half breed demon chick Mm, spicy exactly so i kind of hope it has to do with that that would be pretty fun to explore as an older constantine that's kind of fun fucking john wick style constantine like let's fucking go like i'm super down with that yeah that's just me you know i love this shit it is a dc comic they will they already fucked it up. up they already fucked it up with the tv show nobody cares about that 
I, I never saw the TV show. Me either. I, think I saw. But uh, I read a lot about it, I and, saw I, a little and that's bit why I didn't watch it. Don't say DC. <laughs> I saw a little good bit. Two Batmans, and that was it. Oh God. <laughs> two. DC did. Which two are the good Batmans? Batman. Come a little closer to the Batman microphone. Forever. Returns. No returns. Sorry. Oh, honey. Okay. That was a close so one. none of the <laughs> one. so none of the Christian <laughs> Bale ones. I don't consider those, those DC movies. Those are not. But they are. Uh, ish. We're getting off topic. Yeah. We'll talk about this after we turn off the microphone. Okay, different podcast. <laughs> okay, so really good conversation. Sorry, listeners, you might have to like broken up the podcast episode in a few yeah. a few yeah. drives. This will cover two commutes for you folks. Yeah. Well, well it's it, you know it's Christmas is coming it's up. Maybe you watch it over it a long our, drive. Um, it was our thankful Keanu Reeves is a snack uh, mm. double feature We're episode. All thankful for Keanu so sorry, with our family and for each other. Yeah, you know, that's great. Yes, yeah. thankful so, for time together with friends. Yes, and our next episode is going to be um, covering "Let Me" or "Let the Right One In," mm-hmm. um, and "Let Me In," which is the American version. Yeah, which so, I yeah. love those, and it was more on the um, what's happening. Like movies that are like snowy winter time kind winter of setting, yeah. winter we've setting. Already, we've hit up um, our our favorite holiday themed ones already with Black Christmas and Krampus and um, I mean there are other ones out there but um, and then we've also we've done a ton that were set in a snowy setting yeah um, but we haven't done these ones before um, and I've never seen because the original from two thousand eight was from Sweden. You said yes. Yeah, yeah I've never seen that oh, one. Um, it's I've seen the American. It's so one. good. It's so good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think that it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to talk about both of them and and compare them and and uh, try and even though we don't have winter weather here, like proper winter weather, like most of the world experiences, we can pretend not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're covering next time. So check them out. All right, good conversation. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.